it's going to be a heavyweight fight, connecting on maybe 20% of your throws uh, on your punches for both teams. It's going to be Josh Allen off schedule making a making a uh, a blitz pay. Yeah, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes evading pressure, using his ability to manipulate the pocket and finding Kelsey somewhere, whether it's yeah. 10 yards down the field or 35 yards down the field. It's going to be what we know as the Bills and the Chiefs, and those, that's going to be the cream that rises to the top. Is Kelsey and Mahomes going to find each other, and is Josh Allen outside be a structure way to get X Man on the yeah other outside part? structure? Welcome to the Green Light Podcast. Divisional round of the playoffs, we're previewing it. Chris, Kyle, Macon, and Bad Back Backy are all in studio to go through all four games for you this weekend. We've also got Stanford Steve to talk about the best bets that are on the table for you to choose from. You know we will not steer you wrong there. Some great games this weekend, some great quarterback matchups. Obviously, you have the classic with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. To start off the show, we run through a couple NFL topics. Chris talks about Jason Kelsey, a little Nick Sirianni as well. And then to end the show, you'll hear from Chris. He's going to talk about Gerard Mayo being hired in New England in his first press conference. So y'all please enjoy. We'll be live streaming Sunday's Chiefs-Bills game, so make sure you tap in for that. 6.30 p.m., check out the Greenlight YouTube channel. And we'll catch you Monday for the live reaction show. Time for the roll call. Who's in the building? We got. I'm over here. Kyle's over here. I'm. I'm here with our guy, Bad Back Backy. I'm here. Back feels good. Good. Oh, good back Backy. Good back Backy. Good back Backy. And your host, uh, Chris. And I am your host, Macon. Loves <laughs> 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 that. Loves that. I thought maybe you were introducing me, but then you said your name. Can we get a hostess in It here? is a good time to address why there's more people in here. I think Macon, Macon and I have been busting our ass for the better part of you know five years. This guy has, I mean, he's been a huge part of what we've done. Like the second day when I always joke about this, when Macon came in and was like, you need somebody to laugh at your jokes. And then two weeks later, he's, he's, he's co-hosting the show, basically. Um, I bust his balls about that, but I'm really thankful he did because I don't, I, I do, I've gotten better at doing the monologues and doing the, 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 the one person talking thing. But in the beginning, it made me really uncomfortable. So Macon's always been a huge help. And obviously the show's not what it is without him every day. But the reality is, and maybe we're breaking a truce here, like, he does have two jobs and some days he's not going to be able to go through everything I've gone through and read everything I've read or watch all the tape I've watched. It is nice to have more voices in here. And I've always wanted this, this podcast to be a group of dudes. You know, I just yeah. love the feeling of when all four of you in, are in here. Cause I've had some people at home that are like, this is best as a two person show and the whole thing. And I, Macon and I would probably disagree. You know, I, Macon and I have talked about this. This isn't a decision when we add people that we come upon without talking to the other co-hosts of the show, as Macon put it. I, I think the more the merrier. So I'll give you an example. Yeah. So, like, you know I'm an avid Rogan listener. I've listened yep. to Rogan for a very long time. And he usually has him and another person on the show 
well, there's a series of pods that he does called Protect Our Parks, and it's where Shane Gillis and Ari's on there and Mark Norman, and there's like five voices, and they're all fighting to get their jokes in, and it almost stimulates my brain the right way to focus in and try to listen. Yeah. Um, and it's a more entertaining way for me to take in more information, more voices at the same time. I get bogged down. Some people get overwhelmed by, by that voices. stuff. I totally get that. But another thing is Macon doesn't laugh. It was like he was born with a genetic predisposition There's not no to laugh. Sound. I find things funny. I just see, can't he, laugh. See, Kevin just laughed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just it's great to be here. It, it, it's here. fucking good Thanks to have you. It's me. good to have everybody. I love these shows because it's a packed house. So it's fun. You don't have to really prep. You just show up and you shoot from the hip. And the more people are in the room, the less everybody else has to take on the pressure. Listen, listen. I talk to Badkey nearly every day uh, out of choice. You yeah. know? Yeah. And it's a good time. And ever since Kyle stopped recording me when I was interviewing him, um, <laughs> I don't know, 18 or so years ago, uh, We've been yeah, 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 along yeah, yeah. Like gangbusters. Can we talk about that? Yeah, no, sure. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's my, talk about it. Let's talk about it. Brain. Okay, sure. So I was in college. Yep. You were in high school, oh, and yeah, I was yeah, doing yeah. a story on you for the local paper. Mm. And unbeknownst to me, you were recording me as I asked you questions. So uh, I don't know. A couple hours after the interview went fine. Pretty much a puff piece, you know. Yeah. Local kid does right, you know. I get a call from uh, really Big Hat. Really smart player. <laughs> I, I, I get a call from uh, Definitely Big, eligible. Listen, Big Hal rings me up. Yeah. Says, uh, why, why do you need to know Kyle's birthday? I was like, huh? He's like, you asked Kyle uh, what his birthday was. I was like, oh. Uh, for the record. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't ask for his social security number, Big Hal. He was like, well, you know. He's uh, 17 or 18, you know, is that, that going to be a problem? I was like, no problem here, Big Hal, all good with me. But Is it, that going to be a problem? It was at that point that I, I realized that um, I was being recorded, um, which is uh, illegal in Virginia, yeah? It's a it's a one party consent state, I believe. I think we haven't we broken that law on this podcast with prank calls. No, I think we're in the right, but yeah, we definitely don't say you're live. Did on the Dad podcast. think that Kyle was like an uh, that you thought that Kyle was like an Irish Danny Almonte? Exactly. <laughs> Your dad was worried that I was going to say, "Look at this monster of a nineteen year old eating up." Check on. out his birth certificate. Yeah, yeah. That's fucked up. Dad and Macon had I a real history. There was, <laughs> there was also an article that Macon wrote about our team when when well, I wasn't on that team because you know it was, it was it he was wouldn't have wrote that about our team. Junior, Howie was the quarterback. Our youngest brother was the quarterback. Kyle was the tight end, the offensive tackle, the do it all guy, running back, everything. And and the team, I guess, what came up short one night? No, they oh, no, they, they were ran good. through everybody. And then I did a little uh, a comparison with you know some uh, uh, enrollments at other schools, <laughs> a little strength of schedule deal. And I asked the Albemarle coach, a uh, local public school, uh, if he agreed with the power poll that had St. Anne's Belfield number one, and he said absolutely not. It was a good piece, but no. <laughs> After that day, I was one of there's us and there's them, and I became one of them. Us, that day. Us and if you're talking pure power, I wonder how many Albemarle Patriots are playing in this, uh, you know, conference week in the NFL yeah. regional weekend. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Important. Or yeah, how many that's true. Did in the past decade. Well, they they exacted their revenge. The public schools around here in my senior year, I was Gatorade State Player of the Year, and there was a Falcon Club banquet that I'll never forget that I have to go to locally, <laughs> and it's all the players 
in the in the um, in the county, right? And at the end of the, the 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 evening, and I don't really care about this stuff. You guys know, there's a couple things I care about getting slided on, but not something like this. You know, like at the end of the banquet, they're like, and now we announce the player of the county. And I'm not thinking I'm gonna win it, but they go, there's been a tie. And I'm like, well, who did I tie with? <laughs> and they're like, uh, Joe Sanford and Brian Lesconek, come on down. Be Lesk, shout out to B. So I didn't even, I didn't even tie. I was the Gatorade State Player of the Year. These public school coaches, they really Brian wanted Brian Lesconek, who was my 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 roommate. In six, is this what yeah. that was? Oh, this was oh, he's my three roommate. Four, two thousand four. He was my roommate. Okay, so at Brian Lesconek also drove me to baseball practice because I went to school at, at Henley and yeah. I played on the JV team. When yeah, I was at Henley and Leskinek drove me uh, to practice in junior high. Good guy, really good football player. Steve Isaacs, the, uh, they ran the, the wing tee. Yeah, they ran one of those wishbone things. He's from Bath County. Oh, uh, yeah? Well, I took, I took a couple tubs at uh, Leskinek's parents' house. Ooh. Yeah, throughout the mid-aughts. <laughs> he loves tubs. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about the news here. I mean, the first piece of news that I wanted to bring up was... Leskinek's Yeah. <laughs> It was the Jason Kelsey thing. You know, Nick kind of gave me an opportunity to talk. I didn't announce what I was doing on purpose, despite, I guess, what's been leaked to the media. I just don't think you're in a position after a game like that to really make that decision. I just don't. There's too much emotion in the moment to really fully grasp that decision. I'm not trying to be dramatic and continue to draw this thing out. I'm really not. It's just something that I think, uh, you know, when it's time to officially announce you know, what's happening in the future. It'll be done in a, in, in a way that's, you know, definitive and pays respect to a lot of people and uh, individuals that have meant a lot to me and has led to the career I've had. You know, I don't think that it would be uh, respectful or even accurate uh, to be able to do that right after a game like that. Yeah. But I did address the team and pretty much said the same thing that, I just said to you, which is, you know, I got belief in every single one of you guys, you know, cherish the moment you have in this league. And obviously yeah. the Eagles, that was awful. The Eagles losing that way. But what's tough is when you see guys like that going out that way. And, and I kind of sat there, I don't know if you guys ever do this with friends or, or people like somebody has a big loss or their career is ending or they, you know, like usually with something bad, I sit in the text box for like five minutes and I've typed out four texts. I deleted them all because you're just like, what do you say to somebody whose career just ended that way? Like, yeah. you want to tell them you're thinking about them and you care. But I didn't even text Kelsey because I'm like, what does it matter? Um, we'll talk in a couple days or something like that. And I don't want to be one of these people who's prying. Like, is it over? The whole thing. Well, after the game, Schefter uh, reports that he's retired. And, you know, like when we go to Inside the NFL the next day, because there's nobody that's refuted this report a day later. And I'm at Inside the NFL. We have, by the way, we have a three person show. It's me, Ocho, and Ryan. So, like, we're down two bodies. Jay's stuck in the snow in Nashville. I guess all quarterbacks are really struggling in this weather. Uh, Jay couldn't get there. Uh, so, at the end of the show, they're asking me about the Eagles, and I'm going on this diatribe about you know like everything I've said about the birds on this show and the, the the last question was and I really wasn't prepared for it what do you think about 62 and at that moment all I could think to say was I love the guy um if you've played with him it's a treat like and if you play with Jason Kelsey you know exactly what I'm talking about uh for most people they don't but most people know the guy on New Heights. Most people know the guy on Amazon that crushes it with Al Michaels and just everything he does. He seems like 
he seems authentic. And Scott Van Pelt had texted me right before the segment and said, that Jason Kelsey, is he who you think he is? Because he seems awesome. And I said, I've been trying to figure out where the bodies are hid for seven to eight years. Like, what's wrong with this guy? There has to be some, maybe he's, maybe he's a serial killer. He's on the list. Ah, you beat me to it. Okay. <laughs> no, he's obviously not. Probably uh, not. Because, he, because, well, I was just joking. I, I, was, I wasn't really saying he was on the list. Um, <laughs> the, the thing about Jason Kelsey is he's one of the rare people who are exactly who they seem like they are. Mm -hmm. And we all know people that have different levels of success in life that you don't root against them, but when you know who they really are, you're like, I could take it or leave it with that guy because, yeah. he, because he's fake or because he's not who he says he is. There are guys that you see have success in the league and you're like, I know he's an asshole. Like Kelsey's never been one of those people and he's always been exactly who he is. I think that's why he's magnetic in the locker room. I think it's mag that's why he's magnetic to people at home. And I just love the guy and nobody has earned the right to go out on their terms more than Kelsey. And that's what bothers me about this situation. Okay, so I'm gonna get on my soapbox for a second. I think the people that break news in the NFL, to get to that level, you have to be kind of cutthroat. You kind of do. It's like American politics. 100%. You know, uh, it's, it, you, you've burned people before. You've leaked things you shouldn't have before. To become Adam Schefter, you have to have done some dirt. And while I don't think this necessarily qualifies as dirty business, because he was legitimately reacting to a leak that he got, whoever leaked it, was trying to distract from the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles look like dog shit down the stretch. Okay, try to make that the narrative come out of the game. Let's talk about Kelsey and not the fact that the Eagles have looked terrible. And the cost is Jason Kelsey being one of those guys who deserves a way to do it his way at the end of his career. And I think this is the most important part of your career is how it ends because some guys get, get stuck on things that really aren't important, but it's impossible to talk them out of, like the way it ended, the last year, whatever. That last game's tough, okay? Not that Kelsey's gonna have any regrets, but I wish he would have been able to announce it his own way. I know that some things you wanna be first, and Adam, Adam Schefter, he had some, some, some things that he's done in the past that have caused him to say things like, I have learned I don't always have to be first. I can learn, I can lean on my editors more. When there's sensitive information, I need to take a pause to take a beat. Well, you didn't do that here. So the point is, and I'm not trying to turn this into a thing where I'm just ragging on Schefter, but I was really disappointed that the machine robbed Kelsey of a chance to just do it on his own terms. Who do you serve? Do you serve The Shield or ESPN? Because if you serve The Shield, this is one of the most celebrated players in history, especially at his position, and storied was his career. That is not the way. Leaking that he had a conversation that's supposed to be a private conversation with his teammates Even about with his the future. way his career went, it's supposed to, like you said, I mean, it's ultimately the most important part of a player's career is how you finish and the last taste you leave in the fans' mouths, your teammates' mouths, the coaches. But even the way he started his career, he wasn't all pro Hall of Famer Jason Kelsey from the beginning. He's no. the guy that had to earn his way. And 
and he did. He earned every inch that he gained in his career. And at the end, for him to have the carpet swept under him like that, it really pisses me off a little bit. I haven't thought about it until you laid it out like Yeah, it bothers me because he's my friend. And I think about when I retired. He's got a platform to do it himself. When I when I retired, nobody gave it wasn't like anybody gave a shit outside Philadelphia. And somebody like Adam Schefter wouldn't have cared about breaking that news. But I can imagine how I would have felt. I got to retire my way. I got to go up on when I retired, I invited a bunch of people up to my farm and I did it because I was afraid to retire. And I knew that once everybody showed up, I couldn't send them home. You know, that was how I did it. And I posted a picture uh, of a solo cup up on the mountain. And that to me was like, hey, that's my future now is I get to kick my feet up. And that's the way I wanted to do it. It was just a picture. It was like, hey, I'm out. Um, also, we, we, we set up. We, this is funny. Somebody brought a bunch of balloons. Meg brought a bunch of balloons. OK. And there were eight of them that were yellow. Um, there were two of them that were green and there was one that was red and they were for my years and on different teams yeah. and we, we released the balloons and you know, she was like, why don't you just announce it that way? And I was like, uh, people will be big mad about climate change. <laughs> so I had to do it my way, but, but the bottom line is I got to do it my way and it sucks for Kelsey. And what, what adds insult to injury and complicates things is Kelsey's about to be one of the foremost members of the media. Like Kelsey's about to take that business over the business that you're in, breaking news, whatever. Like loosely, Kelsey might be working at NFL today next year. So you kind of fucked over maybe you know somebody in your in your in your industry. He could work with Dad. He could work <laughs> on this. Like that's crazy to think about. And we see guys like McCordy just seamlessly transition. Kelsey's gonna tr seamlessly transition. I want him in movies. Yeah. I want him on the Movie. Amazon set. Yeah. I want him on our set. I want him everywhere. Tarantino and, and, flick, next Tarantino know. flick. Can a guy who doesn't know anything chime in for a second? If if Jason's going around the locker room to 52 other guys. But he refutes that. And there are 50 other coaches, staffers, front office types. But he refutes having said, making a determination either way in that locker room. Okay. Which I don't know if I believe or not. I believe it because Kelsey said it. Reading his words from what he said on the podcast, he's clearly retiring. He's clearly retiring. But but what you're saying is if you're Schefter, you're holding that back? I so. am. What does he have to gain? Well, I know he's at the top of the mountain right now, but you got to... You got to fight to stay at the top of the mountain. I understand. And he always fights to stay at the top of the mountain, including when somebody else has to break something. It's got to be per the person who broke it and Adam Schefter. Mm -hmm. So maybe in this situation, just wait an hour. And, you know, I know that's not how Schefter's wired. He's news at all costs. But if I were in that situation, I'd probably just check and make sure. I think of Marty Smith, who told us that his best buddy was Jimmy Johnson. And Jimmy Johnson, when got liquored up after winning a championship, fell off a car and golf cart and broke his arm. And, and he was like, hey, Jimmy, I'm going to have to tell people about this. And then they were pissed at each other for a long period of time before coming back together. Yeah, tough word out of the world out there for it is. Days. I just you know me. I'm ESPN, a player, Marty and Smith? that's my friend. Yeah. That's a real story. Yeah. The, the one thing, yes. that, the one thing that popped out with that leak was locker room, because that's a sacred place. It should be, and it should be, and it's Kyle. You you know you were talking about with with Coach Mayo too, like about the locker room and and how what a great environment that is to be around and how close knit it is. And when you say locker room and leak, like it just it really turns it, you off, and it's. It, it just it didn't seem right to just the average person, I think. It, it, it caused a lot of headaches, anonymous leaks on teams that I was on, including the Eagles. Um, and I think more than anything, if you take anything away from this little rant, it has nothing, it has something to do with Schefter. 
But if somebody doesn't leak that to Schefter, we're not even talking about this. So like there is the, hey, you know, if you're a newsbreaker, maybe this isn't part of the job description, but a little bit of, of, uh, of, of nuance in some of these situations. And if you, if you have access to that locker room, whoever leaked it, I think is a total shit bag for that. Jeff Fisher told me, you do, and I, this stuck with me, you do not want to retire in months to start with a J. You don't want to retire in January. It's too fresh. You don't want to retire in July and June because you might be dreading camp. You know, like that's not when you retire. I think the best time to retire is you have a month, even if you're sure you're going to be done. I've given guys this advice before. Give yourself a month because you are a prisoner of the moment right now. You might feel great in a month physically and say, I could do this another five years. And I wonder if Kelsey was on a different team because my wife asked me, she goes, do you think this means Travis is retiring and they're going to retire together? And I said, well, Travis plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. If I'm Travis Kelsey, I want to stay on that, that ride. And I think also, like, if you're Jason Kelsey, you look at what's going on in Philly, do you really want to deal with another restart? Uh, not with everything he's done. Only leaks in locker rooms should be going into the toilet. Yep, that's true. Uh, on topic, on topic, Nick Sirianni, and I don't think Nick leaked this at all. Um, it sounds like the Eagles are going to keep Sirianni. And I talked about this the other night, and I'll turn it over to you, Mike, because I know you had some thoughts on this. But I think what's interesting about it, without making any determination whether it's the right thing or not, personally, I think it's risky. Uh, I think it's risky because of how rare a situation it is. There are not a lot of um, – you know, parallel situations that you can draw examples from. I said this the other night, seeding play calling as an offensive head coach is a terminal illness. Like, I don't know how long you survive, I don't know how long you got, but you're probably gonna end up belly up when you seed play calling. That's what Nick Sirianni did the first year. And obviously Steichen comes in, well he's already Spikeman. there. Spikeman's there. Uh, you don't realize you have a head coach right there in your building. I mean, I think the Chargers probably feel the same way. I think maybe Atlanta felt that way when Shanahan got away two years later and they fired Dan Quinn. Uh, so it's a unique situation to say you had the guy in the building and he walked. But also, it's a unique situation because you've hired Steichen as your coordinator. He got a head coaching job. You bring in Brian Johnson. How many coaches seed play calling duties and then survive through three, three cycles now of coordinator hires or changes? I don't think it happens a lot. So this is a situation knowing that most offensive coaches in the NFL and most really good coaches in the NFL in today's NFL call the plays. We did this breakdown the other night. There's like 10, 11, 12 guys to start this season that were special teams or defensive head coaches. The rest of them are offensive guys, and it's disproportionately play callers. And when you look at successful teams, disproportionately offensive head coaches who call plays. So this is a unique situation. How they thread the needle, you got to bring in, like, I would say Frank Smith Love from Miami or something like that. Why do you say, you know, like somebody might say, well, how about a play caller? You literally can't do that. The good play callers are interviewing for head coaching jobs, and they're in good situations that have elevated them to a place where they can get a head coaching job. Why would you jump ship to go call plays for, for the Eagles? So you got to find – you actually have to do something even harder than hiring a head coach. 
you have to nail the 2025 hiring cycle a year early and find a guy who's next year's Bobby Slowick. And I'm not saying Bobby wasn't calling plays last year. I don't know what he was doing last year. I can't remember. But what I am saying is you've got to take a chance on a guy who's never called plays with an offensive head coach who can't call plays. So I wonder what Howie's contingencies are going to be. Frank Smith is – you mentioned that name. He's a really bright guy. He's been around, obviously, a really bright guy for the last few seasons. He was a tight ends coach. He understands the offensive line, the run game. I mean, that's really important, hiring a guy, if, even if he's not necessarily going to be the play caller. To your point, if if I'm an offensive mind, if I'm a play caller, I'm hired to be the head coach. The first thing I can, I can do when shit hits the fan is pass the play calling duties. That's not what you want to see. So bring a guy in who understands everything, and if he wants to make a, a play caller decision, hire. Well, he's got to because they're not going to give it back to Sirianni. So, so effectively, you have to nail the play caller, and Frank Smith at least understands the run game, which I think is one thing that's important, and Mike Big. McDaniel has breathed on him. He, Mike McDaniel is going to be one of these guys now that are like, that guy coached from the Miami staff. And Frank is as even keel a coach as I've ever been around. Um, he's and. It was the year that I played tackle. I had crossover with his tight end, so we did a lot of – I didn't know you, you actually know him. Yeah, me and Frank Smith go back. You like him. He was in New Orleans, I yeah. believe, prior to being in Chicago. Um, he's a Cromer disciple, um, and he's somebody that really prioritizes the run game and box count, and I think that will be utilized to the advantage of Philly. If that's the move, I mean, it would be a, a hire that I'd be happy about. And he's also somebody who was such an inflammatory head coach – you want somebody that's even keel to be in the building with him. He's as even keel a character as there is in the coaching staff and the coaching ranks. I like Frank Smith a lot. You hear they were just in the Super Bowl 11 months ago. I don't think that's terribly relevant, but you hear talked about a lot when a guy's either fired or retained, hey, we talk to the players. And I don't think there's ever been a more relevant situation than talking to the players when you're a team that was 10-1 and coming off a of Super Bowl that lost six of the last seven. That's when I would be most interested in talking to the guys in the locker room being like, hey, what happened? Yeah. And was it this guy? Yeah. And it sounds because, like they're saying, nah. Because you can speak freely. In large part, it wasn't. Because two of the guys that were culprits are going to be out of the building because you're going to have to. Re and by the way, Lori and Roseman should probably be making these coordinator hires because Nick hired the last ones. Um, I th I th I've gotten in this with, with fans over the last couple uh, months because of Antonio Pierce. I, I mentioned that the and, – and Justin Fields. You know, if you so much as mention that players are in favor of this stuff, some fans it's like a dog whistle for them where they're like, oh, why are you listening to the players? Well, what's the hit rate on ownership hiring the right coach? So I just devil's advocate. I'm not saying turn the keys over to the players and let them make decisions, but who's actually – I always say this. Of all Fortune 500 industries where there's like, you know, companies that are worth tons of money, I feel like the hiring practices in the NFL are the most whacked out relative to any industry like this where, you know, you've got an owner who did not play football, chances are, who does not spend time with like-minded people in the locker room, whose friends are all rich and detached for the most part. I don't want to pigeonhole billionaires. And they uh, probably have strong opinions. Right, and, and, and who, who don't seek counsel enough. Like, those people, they, they got a bunch of yes-men around them, right? And, and those guys 
are the people you task with with hiring coaches that can change the trajectory of franchises. So it is good to ask players. I got a question for you. When they do ask players like Jalen Hurts and Fletcher Cox over the course of the last few days, and they're really dismissive of the question, almost as if they have never even heard it before, do they have a pact in that locker room? You and I have been part of uh, rosters that have changed at the head coach position. Now, sometimes we agree with the firing. Sometimes we disagree with it. Now, let's just pretend you and I disagree with it. Do we have a script that we try to stick to when we go to the podium? Well, I I don't. I'm talking about closed doors. You have total immunity. Not a word of this leaves the room. And he's talking about. I've I've also heard. Like Fletcher and Jalen have a conversation, knowing do these do the do the I think guys know. I say what are we going to say? I think guys know what the temperature is. Right, like you know right away if that coach is the right guy or not. And as as a guy like me would probably pass up the opportunity to bury a guy that might get fired because there is a chance that he'll be back next year. And also, like, I don't want somebody getting fired because it's something I said. But I've, now the thoughts are Fletcher's glowingly speaking, and he's not glowingly speaking, he's just really rejecting the question, which leads me to... I think Fletch was in a bad mood that, that day. Yeah, and they and got I, him in a bad spot. And I got him in a bad spot. I will say this. I've been in situations where I was like one of the better players on the team and they've asked me my opinion on coaches, whether it was a defensive lineman or a coordinator. And it's amazing the sensitivity when the telephone game gets back to that coach when he's fired or when he leaves. Uh, You'd think I got him fired by telling the honest truth about what I think. And I've never gone out of my way to suggest that somebody gets fired. But it's, it's astounding to me that coaches who sit upstairs all day, every day, and hire and fire us yeah, I was about to say that. With, with immunity. And you know, they, they, there's, there's, there's nobody telling them you can't evaluate the people downstairs. Why is it that players are held to a different standard? It's almost like backstabbing. I've been told I we was- We literally have a camera behind us, an individual period. And sometimes the angles they have film of us on are not for the players to grade themselves on post-practice. It's so that the scouts can go and grade you, so that the coaching staff can have the right numbers uh, in order so that when they make their decisions on rosters, they have everything covered. I was told when I when I was talking to an old coach at one point, and he, he, was, he was a coordinator, and he was like, I didn't like how you guys got that coach fired. He was talking about position uh. coach. And I was like, excuse me? Mm. Um, and I, perfect example, I didn't know that for a couple years there was um, there was an internal narrative that I was a part of the, the group of players that, that talked ill enough about this coach that he got fired. And I can tell you, I remember that exit meeting. I was fair and I was complimentary and I was, and I was constructively criticizing the coach, but I never said fire the coach. Yeah. Um, it's, it's amazing to me how sensitive some of these coaches can be and players do have to walk the tightrope in situations like this. But anyways, enough on Philly, right? I hosted a radio show in college and I was forwarded an email once. Guy didn't know that the rest of the email chain was down below. And some guy had written him saying, hey, that, that guy's really, really bad at hosting the radio show. And, um, you know, it made me tougher. Hosting a radio show? No, seeing that somebody thought I was really bad at it, which I was. Is Nick Sirianni going to be more palatable next year? I think Nick's. If I had to guess, because the wheels fell off when he celebrated in Kansas City. Yeah, well, when and last year in the Super Bowl, he's taunting the Chiefs, and I think that's the thing they love about him 
and hate about him at the same time. I'm not talking about players, but if you're Jeffrey Lurie, one of the reasons that he's still here, I believe there's two reasons. Number one, I think, well, there's a couple. I think if I'm Howie Roseman and, I, and Jeffrey Lurie and I decide to keep him, number one, do you want to be the ninth opening? Do you want to do you want to join a crowded room where you have to compete for other other people to to come in and coach your team, especially off of that collapse and some of the issues they have? I give you an example of Dennis Allen, who we all think is probably like a really good defensive coach, but maybe not the guy to coach the head ball team down in New Orleans. Well, he's not getting fired. They threw Carmichael under the bus, which was the right thing to do. But keeping Dennis Allen, I believe that family is saying, hey, in a year. Let's try this again when we're like the first or second or third to the table and there's not eight, nine head coaching openings, which this year is the, the most since like which five years ago. Which goes back to the Frank Smith point. Who's the next guy? Who's the next chess piece? So, so you're trying to get ahead, and I think you're also bypassing this crowded room and saying like, hey, in a year we'll figure it out. I also think Howie Roseman, when Doug left, obviously there was friction there. I think Howie likes to control as much as he can. I think Howie does a really good job as a GM, but he definitely wants to do what he wants to do. And when you have somebody like Doug, former player, now a coach with a Super Bowl ring, if they're not seeing eye to eye, he's throwing his weight around. I don't like this so much. And somebody like Nick Sirianni, the reason they hired him, I thought, partially was because he could work in concert with Howie and never have a leg up on Howie. You know, and that 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 thing persists. I think that's a real relevant thing is like, hey, what's the working relationship? Quite a tightrope to back-channel conversations when you don't have a vacancy. Hey, could we get you? And the, the guy you're talking to has a massive ego who would, be, who would benefit from it getting leaked that you're being asked. Right. So if you know, if you go out and hire the wrong guy, well, that sets you back probably two, three, four years as opposed to waiting a year to be in the next cycle, as you're saying, with New Orleans. But if you learn that you could get Mike Vrabel in your building... You know, I, I think I think what they look at and say is like the personnel sucked on defense. Obviously, the scheme wasn't great easy either, but the personnel was the number one problem. When I look at the offense, I look at personnel as being the same group largely that went to the Super Bowl and was this close to beating the Chiefs. And the head coach that was the head coach there was Nick Sirianni. And I think they look at it like we can fix the scheme. And that's the difference between that team a year ago and this team. And it's not that simple because there's going to be guys you lose, guys that are older. <laughs> But I do think Nick Sirianni being a year off a of Super Bowl, the, other, the only other guy that I think got fired a year off a of Super Bowl was Bill Callahan, and they got smoked in that Super Bowl. Um, I, I also Tommy th- sold half a million brake pads? <laughs> Chicago guy. Bill. These are brake pads for the American Black sheep man is better. American working man. Ooh. Oh. Whatever you're looking forward to this football season, there's one thing that pairs well with every great moment, and that is an ice-cold Miller Lite. Whether you're at the stadium, playing fantasy football, or watching the game at home, or at the bar, Miller Lite is here to make your football season taste like Miller time. From kickoff to the clock runs out, you can't go wrong with the Miller Lite in your hand. It's the only light beer with a taste worthy of our national obsession. Because what's the point of having beer if it doesn't taste like beer? I go to Dirty Nelly's every weekend. Sometimes I'm prepping for the show at the bar on Saturday night, watching a little college football, getting ready to lay out our Miller Lite moments. Uh, I like to have a nice cold Miller Lite right next to me. And the folks at Dirty Nelly's, they know when I get there to have my ice cold Miller Lite. 
It's got only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs for 12 ounce serving with a smooth taste and a crisp, clean finish. You get the taste you crave without the calories. So this season, crack open a light beer that hits your taste buds so hard you feel it in your heart. Make it Miller time all season long. Get Miller Lite delivered right to your door. Visit MillerLite.com slash Greenlight. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs for 12 ounces. There are only four games. I want to start with the first game of the weekend. That's how we'll do it. Saturday, 4.30 on ESPN. Texans at Ravens. Baltimore favored by 9.5. The total is 43.5. So there's no there's no Peacock headlock this weekend. We got no Peacock games. Record numbers, by the way. Um, yeah. Record Not from numbers. me. So now you know the Score thing. app, baby. You're going to see more of this. They're bringing it back. They always test to see if, like, will you will you eat out of our hands? And, like, then we eat out of their hands, and then they're like, here's two handfuls. It was the first person that posted <laughs> you know? a picture of their feet, and they said, will somebody pay for this? And then it's like, by God. There is a market. <laughs> uh, hey, dear boss, I quit. <laughs> there is a market. Houston-Baltimore. Okay, here was my biggest thing uh, watching that first game, and especially the first half, because in the second half they pulled away. And, you know, set the, the stage for this thing. It's, it's C.J. Stroud visiting a team that's going to be playing in the playoffs. It's the opener. Nobody knows who the Texans are at this point. I don't even know if the Texans know who the Texans are at this point. I took the Texans. Did you? Lost. <laughs> but when I looked at the game, it was apparent to me how unafraid of the Ravens that Texans defense was, especially in the first half, in more ways than one. The back end guys were flying around. There was physicality. Um, they did not look like the less physical team. And I think when you look at that and you look at the way that you might be able to hang in there with these guys, you've got a shot if it's a low-scoring game. If it's a high-scoring game, I don't like your chances, okay? Not in Baltimore, 20-degree weather. Um, I think this is a game where the Texans are going to have to come out and define the pace of play, okay? Um, I think Baltimore's offense – when you looked at that first half of that game, every third and long, it felt like D'Amico Ryans was like, Lamar's not going to beat us with a nine-second play. We're going to heat him up. I think they heated him up on third down six times in that game, which is just under 50% for them. I don't know where that lines up as far as their season averages, but in that game, it felt intentionally early to me. Um, it felt like it was an intentional thing to heat him up and speed his clock up in third and long. There's a bunch. Of, there's going to be a bunch of guys mugged up. Sometimes they're going to bring seven. Sometimes they're going to bring five. But I would continue that trend, especially because the one thing that Lamar at times this year has not done a great job of is is efficiently hitting the deep. He's a great deep ball thrower, but there was a slump this year where he wasn't throwing them that well. Well, lately, the vertical attack for them has been pretty scary in some spots. But I would in some situations, try to speed his clock up and force him to beat you in three seconds. Um, and I think also for Houston, knowing what they're into is cover three. Um, you know, like, can Baltimore throw them out of cover three? For people at home who don't look at the coverage stuff, cover three, you're going to have two seams that are wide open. And it's kind of cliche, but that's where you work against cover three. And Baltimore's getting... Andrew's back, full participant, likely has become a bigger part of the offense. So a question for me early with Baltimore's offense is, how much does Houston pressure, and can Baltimore throw them out of cover three? And, and by that I mean, 
can they hurt them enough on the seams and with those tight ends that all of a sudden Houston says, we're going to play cover four and we're going to make you take the profit underneath. Because if you've seen Baltimore in some spots this year, they will turn the ball over on some longer drives. You know, they'll do some things sometimes that are undisciplined with the football. If you can make them drive the length of the field, and maybe that's what they come out and say, we're going to run cover four, we're going to make them work the ball down the field. I think that's going to be really interesting to see. Um, and I like your matchups in the pass rush, man. Those guys, listen, I like your matchups outside. I think Simpson's a mauler, but I like some of those guys inside. Um, I think you have an opportunity if you can stop the run, which they have done at times this year at a high level, getting some third and longs, you might be able to create a turnover or two. I think that's going to define the game, how they play defensively. I know this is all about C.J. Stroud, but if you're if you're Houston, you want this to be a lower-scoring game. New sort of run game in Baltimore with Andrews being out. Zay Flowers had to step out. Targets when he was out, 8, 11, 4, 10, 5, 10. Yeah. He really had to step up, bigger role. Let me uh, throw you off course a bit, blow your mind. September 10th, the line, week one, Baltimore was favored by 9.5 yep. points. Yep, and we're going to talk about that in the locks because – this is not a spot that the Ravens have, have played well in, being big favorites, but this was one of the only times they've covered. And I wonder what's different. I mean, like for the Texans offense, Kyle, this is a really interesting thing. The Texans uh, going into the Cleveland game, they sat their right tackle and they put Fant in because Fant handles, you know, bull rush better. Fant. And it was a very – it didn't seem like a benching. Maybe somebody could correct me in the chat. But it, it seemed like more of a game plan specific matchup thing, which you don't see a lot. Fant's been kind of a plug-and-play guy for them in whatever position. As those tackles, it's a concerning situation for me for Houston standing up against Baltimore, uh, particularly on the road with that crowd noise. You know how M&T Bank Stadium's going to be. The weather's yeah. not going to be helping. And also on the defensive side of the ball for Houston, I look at both of these edge rushers with Anderson and Grenard. Both those guys are dealing with, I think, ankle injuries. Yeah. You and I both know better than anybody how tight those ankles are. Especially when it's cold. It's going to be cold. I was watching Waddle try cold. to fix his ankle. You're going to be stiff. You're going to be trying to redirect, getting Lamar Jackson. You could be looking at a muddy surface um, with potentially weather, right? We're looking at weather in this yeah. game potentially. Um, so I look at the edge rushers, but it's Sheldon Rankins. He's not 100%. Um, he's got a rib, and he's got a lower body issue as well. Um, I believe it's a lower body issue, but the rib is big. So if you've got three guys that are playmakers on that defensive front, against a unit that strives on taking advantage on lack of rush, can extend plays, but can also make throws sitting in the pocket. It's a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. C.J. Stroud's going to have to play out of his mind in order to hang with Lamar Jackson and this Ravens offense. So you think they got to score with them? You don't think they can win a low-scoring game? A lower I think scoring that game. The, game, the game that's going to happen is going to be the game that Matt LaFleur predicted to happen in Dallas last week. It's going to be, we got to get the ball first, and we got to score immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. And test the Ravens' ability and really test the, the Texans' ability to rush. Yeah. If you're either one of these clubs, do you put on the week one tape? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, right. I, it, it's relevant. I, I also think, like, it's not something where D'Amico doesn't have a track record that you can compare him schematically to from week one. The um, X factor is how great is C.J. Stroud? It, like, it, it, it is. Like, and, and here's the thing. Like, Baltimore has – curb stomps some people that came into Baltimore, right? You, you can't get Detroit and Seattle out of, out of your head. Let the Rams stick around. But that's the point. I think Matt Stafford's a really good quarterback, obviously. I've talked about him being in, in that elite class still. 
CJ, I think, has done enough to be talked about that in that elite class this year. And There's Marlon gonna, Humphrey's dinged up. We got in, Don't forget that the Ravens aren't without injury. Too. Marlon Humphrey injury is huge, They've right? Got guys Potentially, that are dinged up. They had a week off, but you and I both know uh, this stuff is just it's it's a war of attrition, and it's whatever you got left in your magazine, fire that. And I don't know. I mean, with CJ Stroud's ability to maneuver the pocket and stay safe and get the ball out. Um, to his guys, granted, Brown's on IR, and there's a number of guys who are down for him. It all comes down to the greatness of C.J. Stroud. Is it going to be one of these games where we're talking about it the next day saying, holy shit, did you see what he did? I'm really excited to see it because I love seeing these young quarterbacks in stressful situations because there's an opportunity for greatness. There's an opportunity for, like, holy shit, this guy's going to be around a long time. I feel like we already know that with C.J., but this would be incredible. Um, the only other dog of this magnitude to win their rookie year in the playoffs was Squanch. Oh. Mark Sanchez, 2019 or 2009 with the Jets. And so this would be historic. I don't know if they win the game, but we're going to talk about it in the locks. Um, I think another thing that's going to be relevant, and we'll bring this up in the locks, is Lamar's numbers against the spread and in general when they have extended rest. Um, not as good. So. You know, this is going to be a situation where if you're the Texans, your advantage might be that you just played football last week. If you can get over some of the the injuries that you have, and everybody's got injuries this time of year, right? But momentum's also real, too. Yeah. It's also important to point out that the Texans will say, hey, guys, we don't have a lot of our guys that we relied on early. Some of these household names like Tank Dell um, aren't in the lineup here. They're not, Noah Brown. They're not going to walk through that locker room yeah. door, but we know because we've done it against Cleveland last week that we can take this thing and go play some football. So let's do it one more time on the road. I also think this is like, you know, the run game has to be, it has to be a plus for you. You can't, you're not going to walk in with only Nico Collins outside and Charlotte's a tight end and Brevin Jordan and not be able to run the ball and win this game. You're going to have to run the ball. And I do think Baltimore, as damn good as they've been, they have, they have some situations where guys will be out of gaps. So you run that kind of zone offense if you're patient, and I think Singletary's done a great job, you can hit some big ones. It's going to be a challenge in the pass game to get him the ball with how good these linebackers are, right? And Kyle Hamilton is a fucking menace. Right, um, but I think you got to take some of the underneath stuff and take the pressure off Stroud. They did a great job of that last week. He wasn't sacked once, and I thought when Tunsil went down, as we mentioned the other day, they did a really good job being intentional about moving the pocket. Their use of motion was great. I cannot wait to see this. Two really great coordinators that people talk about as being head coaches one day, McDonald, Slowick, um, and I just want to tip my cap one more time to Nick Casario. If this is the last time we're going to talk about the Texans this year on a preview. Nick Casario leaves New England, and you're like, does this guy know what he's doing? Because it's always been Bill there, right? And the results have been mixed in the personnel department as of late in New England. But this dude has done a great job. Um, you look at their draft, obviously they find the quarterback of the future immediately. Um, they, they, they're, they're able to, to snag Will Anderson, who's been a plus as a rookie. I really like him. Um, you're able to bring in certain veteran additions that really have worked, but also like guys like Juice Scruggs, guys like Tank Dell, who's hurt now, but like, so they're getting starts out of young players. And it's harder to scare young players. Like they don't know any better. Yep. You know, there's something too like, we're going to Baltimore. 
like tell me this isn't supposed to happen. I don't know. These guys are just trying to remember their their cleats. Who who are you buying tickets for? Which can be a good thing being young in a situation like this. And I also say this. It does not matter how many playoff games you've played in. We see this all the time. Position players that have been there forever making huge mistakes. Guys that have never been been in the playoffs making huge plays. And then some guys like Jordan Love who just show up and make plays and throw to tight windows and run the home team out. And that's a good segue into Packers Niners. This Green. game's on Fox. <laughs> Green Bay is in Santa Clara. San Francisco favored by nine and a half. Total's 50 and a half. I thought it was San Jose. Santa Clara, that's where I told the concussion people back in 2013 that I wasn't concussed. They were like, where are you? And I was like, Santa Clara. And they're like, fuck, this guy's good. <laughs> you know, He's like, good. like you could have said San Francisco. That's wouldn't have been wrong. The Bay. Technically, though, I'm he would have. the Bay. Yeah. Uh, Levi's Stadium. Now, if you had said it's San Francisco, they would have said, all right, get yeah. back out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it wasn't 2013, whenever they switched to the new stadium. Okay, Packers, Niners. All right, first I want to say this. I think the Jordan Love decision underscores something that we learned the lesson over and over again but we never seem to react in real time like we've learned the lesson. When Jordan Love was drafted by the Packers, people were like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, and you're going to ruin Aaron Rodgers. You're going to piss Aaron Rodgers off. They went to the NFC Championship multiple times after that, so it didn't ruin them on the field. Not that I could see. Uh, maybe it pissed Rodgers off. Okay. Um, but it was the right thing for that organization. And at the time, people were like, what are you doing? It was doing? a head scratcher. And guess what? Moment. Green Bay knows what to do with fucking quarterback. Yes, dude. So yeah, but if anyone questions time, every, anything. You oh, didn't say that. You you Chicagoans, you yeah, Bears, and you Southside you know more time. than any. It's absolutely You and me terrible. both said, ha, ha, ha. No. Look at those idiots. Every time they, they, anytime a quarterback goes near Green Bay, I get scared. <laughs> Every so time. anytime a quarterback goes near Green Bay, it's 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 scary. Well, it, it, here's good news for you: no new quarterbacks going near Green Bay for the next twelve to fourteen years because I think he might be that good. <laughs> okay, and I just want to say this: they were three and six, Chris. Listen, the goalposts have continued to move because when they were bad and I said he was good, people said you're wrong, and then when they started winning, it was like this is too short a you know a, a sample, sample size. size, and now it's like what? I because said in week one, he looked like Aaron Rodgers. We'll pull that tape up and play it. That's what I said. He was I, at Utah I, State. Yeah, you're talking about his arm release, what, his arm what, angle. I was talking about on Twitter. There's things that he does in the pocket, out of the pocket, throwing the football that just are. It's evident to me that he not only was in the same room as Aaron Rodgers, yes, but he was learning a great deal from Aaron. Rodgers. I think I think most people can see the who the, did the same thing with Brett Favre. I think most people can see that he did pick up things from Aaron along the way. But this offense is like Matt LaFleur's offense, too, which is really exciting yes. for Matt LaFleur and for Jordan Love. Um, but going back over some of these unpopular decisions, Kyle, I mean, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a sports fan when Herschel Walker got traded, but I went on Reddit and was trying to find out like what people who were alive at the time and adults thought about that. He chased trains. Like, people in Minnesota thought, <laughs> hey, we're going to win the Super Bowl now. He chased trains. We, we're going to win the Super Bowl now. So We're running back away. People in Dallas, I don't know what they thought. I wasn't down in Dallas. Maybe if you listen to the podcast and you're from Dallas, you could tell me were you guys like fucking mad when you traded away this phenom. But that's the thing that launched Dallas into that dynasty. And, you know, I'm pretty sure it didn't work out real well for Minnesota. The Jalen pick. That, the, the Herschel, that was a MAGA deal. <laughs> Just huge. 
You know, you know what, though? You, I think you got to talk about the error that that was traded because then that's when running backs were so important. Were so valuable. There, it was like – it was almost like how center could you imagine in the NBA. Could you imagine somebody sending oh. that many picks over for a running back now? <laughs> uh, but Ricky Williams, it was the same thing that happened with Ricky Williams. I don't know. It's like, what would you like, give up for Christian McCaffrey? I mentioned the – well, yeah, and, and here's the thing what about Christian he? McCaffrey. We've said this before. The only team that would have been right trading for Christian McCaffrey is the team that traded for him. Yeah. Anybody else that did it – that did it? You mean it, Arthur Smith wouldn't know that they It wouldn't have been – yeah, no. It would, Why do you say that? Because when you trade for a running back or when you invest in a running back, I believe it's, it's – running backs are a luxury – like, they are a necessity if you have a really good one. They can be the straw that serves the drink. But when you're building a team, in my opinion, the last thing you go get if you're really trying to overpay for a running back or give up draft capital is a running back. And I think a situation that's perfectly laid out for a, player, a team to take advantage of that X factor would be San Francisco. Like, say... Say I don't know. I'm trying to think of a middling team. Say in the, the Bears got Christian McCaffrey. I, they would you lean think, on you Christian think, McCaffrey. You think the Bears are going to be let, better today? No. Let, let me. I want to know if I'm hearing you right. Yeah. You're saying like it, it, if you're going to get a guy that's a running back, he can't be the guy. He's got to complement certain people that are the, the pieces that are already in place. If you're yeah, going, it's not Paul if, McCartney. We if got you're the going Beatles to draft a, if you're going to draft a special running back on a fucking rookie deal then by all means, do it. I don't think they're – like, B. John Robinson picked in the top ten. I don't have any issue with picking running backs high. Mm -hmm. If you think there's somebody truly special. But when you go out and give up draft capital for running back in today's NFL, what you're saying is that we're ready to win right now. Saquon's won one playoff game. You know, and, and so the, there's counterpoints to, to you know, the, the hey, if, you, if there's somebody special, you go out and get them. But back in the day, you make a great point. Running back was like the thing. I talk about Jalen's pick. I talk about Khalil Mack trade. You'd have thought Chicago was going to go to the Super Bowl for five years straight. And, you know, part of that is, yeah, would they have won the trade had they had a quarterback or something like that where the offense was a lot better? Um, and, Kyle, I don't mean to talk about something that's close to home. But I guess the point is, like, people made fun of the Raiders. Where were the Raiders going to go with Khalil Mack? Mm -hmm. You know, they weren't going anywhere with mm -hmm. Khalil Mack. This is my whole Justin Jefferson argument. I know. But unironically, it's like it's kind of real. But I would argue that the Justin Jefferson argument is it, you, you have such a dynamic offense and an offensive play caller that, like— That's why I'm comfortable with letting a guy like that walk if it's an exchange for the right haul. And, and you got, like— Weapons in that. Building. I wouldn't trade Justin Jefferson. I'm not. I'm not gonna call we you. We have different Madden yeah, franchises. Yeah. Uh, RG RG three. I was with the Rams when we passed up RG three. I'm gonna get Caleb Williams and and got all those picks. Now there's always two sides to the story. Like we 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 our picks weren't all hits, but I remember we walked all, all our picks out for the coin toss when we played the Washington Redskins, and it was RG three was the captain, and there were like five picks. And we sent all the picks out, which was real mind fuck for them. But nobody won. That's awesome. But nobody won. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. for the most part, we always think somebody won or Jack lost. But we know Jack Rabbit. Jack Rabbit was a good player. Um, how so, about? Sorry, the Niners gave up a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth for McCaffrey. How about last thing? Because it's Jerry Krause week, right? <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. What's wrong with you people? That's that's not. You know what? I'm going to go a little deep here. Okay. I'm going to go deep. You know how the thing that happened here in Charlottesville yes. a few years ago? Uh -huh. And the first thing you say to anyone that asked about it, those weren't our people. Right. Those weren't our people. 
I don't think those were our people. <laughs> you don't think those were your people? No. They were. They were plants. Now They're... here's the other thing. There is now. Th- th- here's the other thing. Okay. There is. Jerry was the bad guy. Yes. All right. And there's a there, there is a generation, my generation, and a little bit older that knows that. The younger generation didn't know that until the last dance. Until the last dance. So that didn't help. Now the Bulls should have known that. And why why are you inviting? I just think people should have enough decency not to make a widow cry. And here's I was on the side of Jerry Krause's family on like Saturday, and then I come in Monday or Tuesday, and I find out because I forgot the Jerry Krause part of the last dance. I forgot he was dead, and it made it even worse. I was like, "Holy shit, the guy's dead!" You're see Ron Harper. You're just booing dead guys. The booing the dead guy. (laughs) Just don't say anything, right? Just don't do anything. You're not booing a dead guy. You're booing a dead guy's wife. Yes. But the point I'm making is how That's how something would happen in Philly. how popular no come on how <laughs> because we threw snowballs at Santa who's not real they would don't get me oh, going no, on no 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 Santa's about how okay. it's about a feeling the last thing I want to say is this about the whole like the moves that aren't popular Jerry Krause what did he do what was his first lasting contribution to Chicago basketball he kept the books he he told he told the other coach to beat it and they hired Phil Jackson mm-hmm. that's <laughs> Uh, okay, Are you my source has got they, a little different. Okay, what are you like saying? Listen, coach. first of all, Phil totally backstabbed Doug Collins. Yep. Totally. Yep. All right. Jerry was going along for the ride. All right. The other thing, Jerry didn't even draft Jordan. But that wasn't no. But that wasn't popular. You tell I got me. Nothing else. Was it received positively at the Any time? Any underpaid Pippen. Was it received positively at the time when Doug Ryan's Collins when Doug Collins Krause left Chicago <laughs> and they brought in this fucking six foot ten yoga guy? Did, was that received positively at the time? You know, I, I don't necessarily I think he's got a remember. book called 11 the Rings. The thing is, if, if MJ, <laughs> I, I don't think MJ was for it all the way, but then he, he sat down with with Phil and he figured out that this was. But the fans. This was the guy. The, fa- the fans were following Mike. If Mike was fine with it, everyone was got fine it. with it. Got it. I understand better. But there's a, there's a, I also understand that Jerry Krause is dead. Um, it's awful. Which I didn't understand it, three days I, ago. I, 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 as I am, it was brought up to me. Dead or alive, Jerry I was Krause. embarrassed. Dead? Yeah. Jerry wasn't healthy. So anyways, the point is Jordan Love, they made a, a, a terrific move. It has worked out. There's more that he has to do. But I just want to tip my cap to these guys because, as you pointed out, they have nailed this quarterback thing. Uh, I want to point something out that has no bearing on this game at all, but it's entertaining. There is a Kirk Cousins curse that's going around. And it says this, and it is 100%. If you lose to Kirk Cousins, you're not going to the Super Bowl. Mm. No team that lost to Kirk, Kirk Cousins goes to the Super Bowl that same year. Both these teams, bad news for them, lost to Kirk Cousins. Okay, mm. I'm going to talk about this game in terms of two things happening. Number one, a blowout. Uh, and number one, a Packers upset or a close game. And what needs to happen for those two things to happen? Uh, you know, 49ers blowout. Explosives and yak. If these guys are running wild back there, yards after the catch, explosive plays, which I think is a worry, you're probably going to lose this game. If the linebackers look lost, because I think that is one of the biggest issues for Green Bay in coverage, is I look at these linebackers, this is like the worst group they could play. I'm worried about the linebackers. That's if the, the hot line- zone right there. If the linebackers look drunk as hell on Saturday night, or what, you know, uh, then, then they're going to lose this game bad. Okay, if Purdy has a clean pocket, Oof. they're going to lose this game bad. Okay, but there is, because I would have said the same set of things against Dallas, 
and the blowout thing, none of them came true. I mean, that line was seven and a half. This one's ten and a half. I think a lot of people didn't think Green Bay was going to hang in. I could not believe how some things did not happen for Green Bay's defense and respectively for Dallas's offense. Here's the Packers' upset or close game scenario. You know, with Tua, I talk about a, an amount of time. There's kind of like if Tua's in the pocket more than 2.3 seconds, it's like a magic number, 2.4 seconds, those plays go south. That's like a time fraction for the Dolphins in the passing game. For Purdy, it's the run game. If McCaffrey gets over 60 yards, you got to worry, which is most of the time what happens. If he gets 60 or under, they lost three of their four games in those situations. Now, obviously, in some of those games, they're not healthy, right? So take it with a grain of salt. But if you can keep McCaffrey to a human amount of, of production on the ground, you've got a shot. The other loss was a bunch of turnovers. So if you can create turnovers by winning your matchups, because I do think they can win matchups up front. I like this rush group. You can get in the passing lanes like Baltimore, tip passes, the whole thing. Like If you commit to that, it's a little thing, but if you're coaching these guys to get in the passing lanes and you can create edge pressure out of those condensed formations, Kyle, because you know San Francisco, they will condense formations, right, which can create certain challenges for teams defensively. But what that can do is it can invite edge pressure, and edge pressure in that Baltimore game hurt them because those edge pressure guys don't have as far to go. Well, it's important so, to understand why, though. So, like, when we're in bunch formations, when we're in condensed formations, that's like it could be a tackle in a three-point or two-point stand standing next to George Kittle and a receiver stand standing next to two receivers, like, within arm's reach. It brings all the DBs in. It brings the safeties up. Everybody's got it's a lot to look areas. at. And from a protection standpoint, let's just say I'm the right tackle and there's four guys outside of my defensive end, off the ball or on the ball. It gives me a lot to look at. It not only takes away from my attention to detail on the rep that's right in front of me with the defensive end, but they can rush at those extra guys. So yeah. if there's a reason you have um, your antennae up there. If you put one foot on the ground and one hand on the ground, that's it? Could that be a two-point stance? Sure. I also think that it's just the straight line distance. I think it's the straight line distance between, hey, your leverage is two yards outside the tackle box. And, you know, like if we're going to be bringing edge pressure. Like, I'm just thinking numbers wise. It gives me a lot to it's, look at. It's a lot of anxiety for you guys, but also just the, the distance that a free runner has to come. Yes. And so, like, if you can, if you can mix it up, hey, the Packers play cover three. Brock lights that coverage up. I think the one thing you got to look at for the Packers offensively is number one, can you slow down Bosa the way you slowed down Parsons? They did that with play action pass. Um, can you run the ball? I think you can. Dallas, 4-2 four, four a pop before Sunday. Green Bay, four, or, or uh, San Francisco, 4-1 a pop. So there's not a big difference. It's not like they're, they're, this group, I think there's a perception that this defense is absolutely elite. They are not absolutely elite. They have some scary guys that you're going to have to contend with in the pass game and that sort of thing. They have guys like Fred Warner. They have guys like Dre Greenlaw. But they also have guys like Ambry Thomas. And if I'm Matt LaFleur, um, and I know that when they get in nickel, Lenore goes inside and you've got Ambry Thomas and Ward outside. The matchup you want, especially for guys as big as Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, is Ambry Thomas. And an important detail is these guys don't travel. So they play left and right. Charvarius, yeah. He's, yeah, they play he left. To, he likes to hang out on his side of the field. That's what they do. And so if you motion people when they're in nickel, you can get the matchups you want. And I think LaFleur is going to know that. So 
Look out for matchups on on and every nosy top. nosy plays. And Lafleur knows that Charvarius Ward is a guy that can make you pay. He's got good hands. He's a long rangy guy. But yeah. at the end of the day, he's going to take chances like any DBs. And if you show him the cheese, he might take it. No pun intended. Yeah, Packers. But uh, look for some double moves. Look for like you said in that play action. Yeah. Um, the double move department. Look for explosives. And I think it's going to you be, can get going to be explosives on both teams for two different ways. Explosives in the act department. With San Francisco, we could get Ayuk on a slant that goes for 60. Yeah. Or you could get, like you said, Romeo Dobbs making somebody miss and being booty naked over the middle. Joe Fan's got a question. Yeah. Who's the best player on the Green Bay Packers? Ooh, that's good. Aaron Jones. Okay, I was thinking Aaron Jones. He popped into my head. Um, See him protect. Some other candidates are Zach Tom. I, I think Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary. I think Rashawn Gary is really good. Gair. I don't know if he's the best player. I think you might argue that it's Aaron Jones. And then where are you taking Aaron Jones in the draft in terms of best players in this game? I mean, that's the problem with San Francisco. They have so many really good players. They have so like I always talk about Thanksgiving when they're all huddled around the turkey. It felt like there was another All Pro that walked in that fucking group every two minutes. And they're like, "Oh, Fred Warner's here. Nick Bosa's here. You know, you got Purdy, who's the straw that serves the drink offensively. You got Trent. You've got all these guys huddled around this turkey." And I'm like, "Is there a team in the NFL with more great blue chip players than than San Francisco? I don't think so. Dallas? No, no, I don't think so." I think they have the most blue chip players, and, and you make a good point. The last thing is this. I think Jordan Love throws kind of a flat ball. I love the way he throws, but when you look at like the way he delivers a football, the trajectory of the Angle ball. Angle of attack. It's, it's kind of flatter. He's going to be seeing split safety zone. He's not as good against split safety zone as he is against three when he gets to work those seams. you know. Um, but what he can do is be patient, buy himself time. He can define the the the, the width and, and the depth of the pocket with his with his legs. And if those crossers come open late in downs, he can deliver that football. But he will have to drop a couple in the old honey hole this weekend and make some touch throws. And we saw him do it. I mean, not, he can th- not just touch throws, but on the laser throws. <clears throat> He's not not confident. I mean, the dude is oozing with confidence with the throws he makes. And don't take this the wrong way for people at home. I'm not questioning him as a thrower of the football. There are every great quarterback has a different the way the ball comes off their hands a little different and i think you know he's just got to layer some of these throws this weekend uh game one on sunday three o'clock eastern on nbc it's gonna be it's gonna be odd to hear mike and chris when the sun's still shining todd Bowles and the tampa bay bucks are in detroit detroit's favored by six and a half I'll just say this. The only thing you can take away from that first game is that Detroit is going to come out and say, we got to run the ball. Now, they lost Montgomery in that game relatively early. I only think he had like six carries, but they ran for like 40 yards. And at the end of the game, Reynolds is your leading rusher. So that is totally unlike them. And I want to credit Todd Bowles in that group. Coach that, of the year. That game ended 20-6 to six or something like that. And it could have been a lot closer if Baker hit a lot of throws that he missed. I thought they had some bad self-inflicted wounds. Evans had a drop inside the five on a bomb, too. There's there's drops. Um, Bucks had self-inflicted wounds, Kyle, in the passing game. So, you know, if you're Tampa Bay, there's reason to believe. And I think they have a special kind of belief down there right now. Because they have this, like, nobody's nobody's given us a chance. Um but also, it's amazing how quickly Detroit becomes like the juggernaut and another team that just won a Super Bowl a couple of years, albeit with Tom. Nobody's given them a chance. There are a lot of guys on that team that made deep, super, deep runs and won Super Bowls. So 
Uh, I think the DNA of a team that knows what to do in the playoffs is there. I think Baker, if he can hit the gimmies, can keep them in this game. I know you think Detroit probably yeah. um, but But I do think they can hang in. The, the big thing for me is if David Montgomery is healthy the whole game and Detroit makes it a fucking emphasis at home, are they going to be able to match the intensity of this group? They match Philly's intensity up front. They brought a lot of pressure. I think their biggest chance is to get Jared Goff to do things that are out of character. And the way you do that is early down, sync it up with play action, dial up some pressures, and just know that they're going to score points. I'm going to take chances to see if we can get short fields or change the game. You know, they pick your poison. They're going to drive 14 plays and score, or maybe it's a big play. Sometimes take the chance. I think Todd Bowles is going to be able to take some chances. Um, I think the challenge is inside for the offensive line in Tampa Bay. I think they've got to definitely win if they want to have a fighting chance here. They need to be able to establish the run a little bit. They can't be one-dimensional. And when it comes time to pass the football, they have to maximize the opportunities with Mike Evans on the outside. You and I have talked at length about the no-fly zone across the middle for Detroit. And I think everybody, it's on film. People know that. And I think the players are cognizant of that. And I think Baker isn't going to try to put his guys in harm's way at all. And I think he will be trying to take advantage of the Mike Evans evergreen matchup uh, that they have on the outside. And they got to win their matchup. I'm on Ross St. Brown and Carlton Davis. Um, I think the the Bucks' best hope again is is getting golf off the spot if you can pressure up the middle. Vita Vea, guys like that. But but the Bucks' defense is not. They're going to run games. They're going to run yeah. games. And Vita's going to be eating up two blockers, sometimes maybe even three guys. And there's going to be free runners. To your point, they got to get after Jared Goff. The middle of the pocket. And find ways to do that. Yeah, in his vision, he can't yeah. step up. He steps up on these big play action throws. Yeah, you have to get deep in the pocket, but you got to have a big launch point and some runway to make this throw happen. So Jared Goff doesn't want to be uh, seeing animals cross the runway. No. He has to pull back a little bit. No. Hey, hey, Kyle, what do you think about Kirby Joseph? Yeah, I think it's unfortunate the, the place that we're at in a game where the defender has to make a choice between going low and going high, and this is another conversation that happens all the time in the yeah. NFL. And I've never been on defense in the league, so I've never had to answer to this, this set of rules that Kirby Joseph is. I respect the uh, ferocity in which he plays the game. I think it's unfortunate uh, to see not only one this past couple of days, but another guy in Hawkinson earlier on this season get injured. And it's a byproduct of the game that we play. Uh, the thing that, you know, rubbed me the wrong way a little bit, and I think Dan Campbell um, has a job to do as a head coach. So when he gets to the podium, um, I was disappointed that there wasn't an immediate, like, checking in on Tyler Higby, but also I understand Dan's approach and he wants to have support for a guy on his team who's flying around 100 miles an hour and the last thing he wants to do is give any indication to the media or the that outside world dirty, yeah. that he's going to put him in the doghouse because as he stated so eloquently that's what we coach them to do yeah and at the end of the day that's it but if I'm a head coach it goes like this hey uh you know I love the intensity my group's playing uh with they were ramped up at home you hate to see Higby go down. I, you know, it's unfortunate that the offseason is going to yeah. start like that for him because I've been a guy who's missed the offseason. It's the last play. So it strikes a chord season. with me. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, he's got a job to do, and Kirby's got a job to do. It's one that's obviously harder than I can imagine, being an offensive lineman. And listen, I looked at the hit again. He does start on the thigh board. 
I think part of it's the turf, part of the guy, his foot getting caught in the turf, but also, you know, Kirby's heads down. And that was what Dan said is like, we do coach guys to keep their heads up. He's like, you don't want to get a spine. <laughs> and you also don't want to, you know, amputate somebody's leg because you miss by six inches. But unfortunately, that's the, the, the game that guys are being coached into playing by the set of rules that we're playing with. And you acknowledge that, Kyle. And I thought, you know, your point's well taken where, you know, like it'd be best if we were all like thinking of the people, you know, that get affected by hits like these. But maybe Dan did off camera or we didn't catch that. I don't know. Yeah, that. I mean, I probably I, I probably didn't watch it all like usual. But at the yeah. end of the day, look, I mean, to, ans to answer your question, is it really tough to watch? 100%. That was hard. That was um, hard to watch. But I do appreciate a guy playing at 100 miles an hour. I would love and, it and if I got hit. If I was a tight helmets. end and I was getting hit a lot, I would rather my shoulder be sore for a while. Maybe I have a rib. Uh, maybe I don't have to play for a week because I'm in concussion protocol. But if you hit me below the knees and I don't see it coming, I'll hold that against you for a long time. And it yeah. may just be a personal decision on my part, but – Fuck, man. I'm going to find you. Hit me I, in the head. Hit me in the chest. Well, there, there's also this. They're not going to change anything because you, there's no class action lawsuits coming for guys' knees getting shredded. Where, where the NFL really gets hurt is, is the head trauma stuff. They're scared off of that stuff. But And you also, I mean, you got a six foot, 200-pound guy going against, I mean, he's 6'6", 250, which you got to go low. You do have so, to go low. So I... And I just feel I think like if he was see, if he was twelve time, inches higher, you see like a you see, I mean it's it's a shame that somebody gets hurt, and I feel like that was a football play. But you also, I mean, you see tight ends get hit like that all the every time, every game. All it's the like time. how they get tackled almost because it's a bigger guy going off against a smaller guy usually in you know up. And they eliminated defensive backs cutting offensive tackles out on the perimeter. Um, you know, I, I think the hard part for tight ends they're not looking. And so it is like to be a tight end catching the ball over the middle in today's NFL is like with the athletes, the speed that they play. That used with. to be what it was all about because in the game in the old days that we grew up around, it was like guys used to be able to just waylay dudes across the middle. And it was like, is this a receiver that goes across the middle or not? There was yeah. like mm -hmm. a dichotomy there. Now they're um, looking down when they go across the middle rather than around. They they're do. looking at, you know, so see is, if anybody's is crawling Curve around. The new Chuck Cecil. He's the new he's the new Ryan Clark. TJ Ward. TJ Ward. TJ Ward. Uh, fucking Go Ducks. Uh, uh, LaMarcus Joyner, guys that I play with. Uh, TJ McDonald used to absolutely sleep people, but you can't do things like we did it even 10 years ago. Chiefs are at the Bills. Last game of the weekend, Sunday, 6.30 Eastern, CBS. Buffalo favored by two and a half. Tony. We, we get the game we wanted. This time it's in Buffalo. This is going to be so fucking awesome. Yeah. And the worst part yeah. about this game is I have really had a hard time deciding who to root for. Um, on I'll, I'll help you. Okay. Buffalo. Right, I know. And the hard part is, uh, uh, no, I know. Uh, the hard part for me as a as a journo is I've taken a lot of shit this year for not writing off the cheeks. The cheeks. Cheeks. <laughs> I wrote off the cheeks. Freudian slip. <laughs> because they were cheeks, but now they're the chiefs, man. They were a couple weeks ago. They were cheeks. Now they're the chiefs, Kyle. And so it's hard I for me. I want to take a victory lap that they actually are still good and they can win in the playoffs. I got in like a heated argument with my my friends on Inside the NFL over this year, you know, weeks back. And, you know, like I've said on this show that I think they're still really good. And I think they could win this game. I really I, I think I lean Chiefs. I really do. And it has nothing to do with the two teams. 
Uh, it does have something to do with the two teams. Part of it, Kyle, is this. Do you remember how you felt, described to people at home how you felt on a Wednesday? Uh, like shit. Like like every step hurts. You need you need. Like there were no steps. I was faking paralysis to not do anything. Yes, and you know it takes you an hour to warm up out on the field and all that a good stuff. Actor. Like like for people at home, they don't realize if you go, <coughs> hey, Monday after the game, you feel like shit, but you're gonna feel even worse Tuesday because of the of doms. And then it's gonna get even worse. Soreness. And then Wednesday, you're actually gonna have to go out in pads and work it out. And you feel shitty, and then Thursday your legs are you're stiff, but your your legs are lighter. And then Friday you're still stiff, but your legs are a little bit lighter. And Saturday you're stiff as hell, sitting in the meetings. But you know, with one more good night's sleep, you might feel kind of fresh. Because Friday's a very Friday's a very rep intensive practice, but it's not an intensive rep. It's supposed practice. to be fast Friday. Yeah, fast Friday. Okay. We also call it thousand rep Thursday. So throughout the week, you're not they're not giving you an opportunity to like come up for air. But the point the point I'm making is for the Bills, time of tape right now, it's Thursday. Mm -hmm. And you don't feel great on a Thursday or a Wednesday. Friday, you feel a little bit fresher as I kind of went through that week. For the Chiefs, it's Friday. Yeah. You know, it's business as usual. It's It, it feels like a Friday. They played last Saturday, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's been Saturday night. Yeah. So it's about Friday for them. And for the Chiefs or for the for the Bills, it's kind of like it's kind of like Thursday. Like this morning's Thursday morning. You're still feeling like shit. So my point is this, like their bodies are in different places. And uh, if you look at the Buffalo injury report, they had injuries before this game. They got injuries after this game. Teron Johnson, Benford, Bernard, uh, they got a punter hurt. Um, and they they signed another one, not the guy that was actually really good at it. Areza? Yeah, they, they didn't sign him. Punt guy. guy. That poor guy. Yeah, I feel bad for that guy. But I, I feel bad for the Bills. Wasn't even in the county. He wasn't even in the county, turns out. But uh, but the Bills don't really have a punter. Now, they went out and signed somebody. The point I'm making is the Bills are kind of um, they're kind of banged up. They're on a short week. I'm not saying they're going to lose for sure. I know I'm supposed to just pick games, but I'd like to be able to enjoy this game and just see how it plays out. I think the Chiefs have plenty to come in there and win. They'll have Pacheco back. I think they get more tape on Brady. I don't just think, Kyle, that it's about the, the physicality that you can play with um, relative to a team that, that's had less rest. I think it's also about what you can do during the week. You know what I'm saying? Explain that to me. What I'm saying is, yeah, your body feels like shit, yep. but as a result of that, you know, if you've gone a, th a Thursday night game, you know, you've got that coming up. You're coming off a Sunday game. You don't have a full week of practice. No. You're not going to be able to get the run fits in. You're not You're not going to be able to do the physical things that you do on a normal week. The Chiefs can go about their business. Yep. And I think this game is about physicality and not f flash and flare. Yeah, absolutely. Like how, the, how the game that I came to watch in 2018 – or was it 19? I can't remember. It was, it was 19. 21. The overtime, overtime, it was 19. It's the overtime game. What I think year it was, is it? I was out, I was, yeah, it's 24. It but was this, the Grim Reaper game. I was, I was at that game. Kyle was on the sidelines for that game where it's, it's Chiefs and Bills, and it feels like the last team with the ball wins. I feel like it could be the case in this game, but in more of like a 23-20 kind of fashion. And I think it's about the run game. Brady schemed up Cook big time, big time. And I also think the thing me and Kyle were talking about was does Spags blitz this game? Josh beat a bunch of free runners. So do you, do you knowing that Cook's going to be central, 
do you pull resources off of trying to get free runners and worry about covering the guy and, and trust your guys outside and your rush that they're going to get home? There's going to be so much meat on the bone for that offense, too. And, you know, you watch the Kansas City Chiefs play last week. And, yeah, they had success. And Rasheed Rice, good for him. He had a great game, and I expect him to have yeah. uh, another great game here. But Travis Kelsey had a couple key drops. He's, he's not going to drop He's not going to do that again. He's not going to drop the ball against That's the, the best news for the Chiefs. So you told me they forgot. And Pacheco the started the, the game with a, with a rocket shooting out of his ass. You know, I mean, this is the way that this offense is supposed to look. And uh, you get those hard downhill runs where you get seven, eight yards a pop, and you try to um, – establish an identity and then you hit him with the play action game and then you get that one big explosive from Travis across the middle he's not going to drop it and you're going to need those big plays it's going to be a heavyweight fight connecting on maybe 20 percent of your throws uh, on your punches for both teams it's going to be Josh Allen off schedule making a making a uh, a blitz pay yeah it's going to be Patrick Mahomes evading pressure using his ability to manipulate the pocket and finding Kelsey somewhere whether it's yeah. 10 yards down the field or 35 yards down the field it's going to be what we know as the Bills and the Chiefs and those that's going to be the cream that rises to the top is Kelsey and Mahomes going to find each other and is Josh Allen going outside to be a structure way to get X-Man on the yeah other outside part? structure I just got a really bad vision in my head pictures I don't yeah. even want to say it out loud I don't even say think it. I should Try it. Kyle Allen over 0.5 pass attempts. I got a vision of, of Josh on the sideline for, for a little while. Mm. Golly. I, I know. I know. Weird. He said, mm, that's a weird vision <laughs> to have in the middle of the show. Well, I mean, it could be stomach flu, but I yeah. mean, I, I just. I, okay. I just. So bet it. I, is, that a, is that a thing? It, I don't know. I've retired from gambling. Okay. <laughs> I, by the way, um, by the way, where is Carl Chaffers this weekend? He is not in Buffalo. That's a really important. That's an important notice. They need to put an ankle monitor on this guy if he comes within 60 miles of one of their games. And I also want to see Tony checking with everybody this week. I mean, these are going to be some of the most. If Tony's in the game and he is not demonstratively checking with the official or on sides, he should never be on a, an NFL field again. Like, never. He should be checking with the FAR officials. He should too. be checking with all the officials. He should check with the people in and New the York. And the other Tony in the booth, he's going to be just having a love fest. It's just heaven for Tony Romo and Jim. He's Man. a pig in shit, dude. And by the way, I know. <laughs> he loves the I know Tony's spotter, by the way. Oh, yeah? yeah? He works on Inside the NFL. His name's Josh. He's great. It's a good, that's a great gig. But uh, but the spotters, they're, 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 necessary. they're real necessary. Anyways. Um, Sean Hockley is going to do the game. He's the Chiefs are eight and two and two and zero oh in the playoffs with Sean Hockley, like and that. so Bills fans are already upset about this. And you know, although the Bills got a little bit of of uh, good luck with the game getting rescheduled, I do think they have been on the ass end of this thing. You know, with with the the rest disadvantage and and it's been the uh, last few years with the Bills, right? Everything's been off schedule with the Hamlin stuff, yeah, with all the stuff going on this year with the weather. It's a team that has had to just say, don't look at your clock, don't look at your iPhone. It's just, it's right now. The time is right now. Yeah, and the context is is uh, is, is crazy for them. After the game, though, I, I think Mahomes will probably, he'll probably hold a press conference at midfield where he compliments everybody on the other team and shakes their hand one by one. And then he has the officials come up and he shakes their hands too to appease people who watch Brady skirt handshakes for the better part of two decades uh, and keeping those fans from going nuclear. So I'm hoping Patrick Mahomes does that. It's the least he can do. 
because that was a nightmare. What like he a, did after that sounds game. like a receiving line in a wedding. That's what some people are going to want from him this weekend. Bills by three over. I'm the just Chiefs. calling back to that shit show. I'm going Kansas City. Okay. Yeah, I think Kansas. I lean Kansas City. I'm going. I, I think it's it. Josh Allen's time. Or I hope it's Josh Allen's time. Allen's yeah. time. Whoever wins this game, it's going to be crazy because you talk about the Chiefs being back in the damn AFC Championship the way they've looked this year, and the Bills being a, a, a fucking game away from the Super Bowl. It's time for Stanford Steve. Make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL part of your game day. Order online during the Pizza Pizza pregame all day on NFL game days and Pro Bowl Sunday and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Put some in the fridge. I like cold pizza. Steve, I love that hat, man. Ob Clark's on the dome right Legendary. now. Legendary, absolutely. Brings you back, huh? Does bring me back. Uh, one of my favorite bars in St. Louis, Ob Clark's. Also, shout out to Kruger's uh, down the hill from where I Pepper. live. Pepper, Pepper Lounge, Macon's been in Pepper Lounge. Anybody in St. Louis? Tell us how these bars are still doing. Do you still go out to Pepper Lounge on a Sunday night? Big UFL season coming up. The yep. Battle Hawks dominate the Pepper Lounge. There's a power vacuum there. With the Rams not there, they, they come in. That's what happens. That's how ISIS was born. ISIS? Oh. Yeah. A power vacuum? Power vacuum. That's right. Yeah, it's the same thing with the Battle Hawks and the Pepper Lounge. They're just taking it over. They're in there. They're in there. They, they're like, we don't close this. This nightclub doesn't close. Are y'all mm. thinking about uh, PJ Clark's? No. PJ no. Clark's is a totally different thing. OB Clark's is on Brentwood Boulevard, up on the hill on the right. It is a city on the hill for, uh, for drinkers in the Brentwood, Clayton, University Heights area in St. Louis. It's a great area. Who's the fellow uh, who died in the plane crash, uh, real young singer, white Holly. fella? Uh, Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. So Buddy Holly proposed to his gal at P.J. Clark's in New York City. Really? Yep. You know who was supposed to be on that plane? Oh, yes, I do. I Richie told you. No. It's, um, uh, oh, God, it's right there. It's right there. Um, like, the big guy. About, um, um, I, I know who it is. I know you? the answer to the question. All right, yes. what's he do for a living? Sings. Okay, what kind of songs? Um, Country. Yep. Um, do I like this artist? Yes. Okay. Very much. Okay. Oh. Think family. Oh, Waylon Jennings. You got it. Waylon Jennings was supposed to be on that flight. His his uh, there was a there was like a, a tour manager whose back was fucked up and was supposed to drive like across the country. Mm -hmm. And Waylon gave up his seat so the guy could get home sooner. And instead, he skirted death. And now known as the day the music died. Yep, no question. All right, that's uplifting to start the pod. Well, think about Ob Clark's. You well, know. My That's picks, Obi Clark's, yeah. And there was another bar across from Obi Clark's that I think closed down. It was one of my favorite places, too. It was You could smoke heaters in there. You oh. could smoke heaters, I feel like, anywhere in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. But, but across, the, um, across Brentwood Boulevard there, there was a little bar that I'm just forgetting the name of, but it was kind of like when, when Obi Clark's was too packed, you'd go over there. But I, I, I got on Google Maps, and it's not there anymore. I'm afraid. Ooh. 
I'm afraid it's gone. So if anybody can help me with that, it's not Twin Peaks. It's definitely not Buffalo Wild Wings. It was a little bit divey. Okay, St. Louis, great place for dive bars. All right, guys, let's talk some gambling. Mm. Let's talk some gambling. Did Texas Tech win last night? In basketball? Yeah, did they beat Houston? They weren't on my card. No. I, that, I love that coach. You do? I'm obsessed with that coach. Grant something or other? What, do you think he's hot? Any, no, I think he's a great coach. But, uh, but Buddy Holly was born in Lubbock. Uh, okay. Oh, they ended up getting blown out. Never mind. Yeah. Grant McCaslin. I'm going to tell you who didn't get blown out last night, the Habs. Okay, there for anybody go. at home that's worried about how you get your, uh, your fix of dopamine all offseason, I'm telling you, I used to get made fun of because when I went to Vegas, Sam Bradford always brings this up. I guess I was in a hole. Chase Long emerged from the hole, and he put a bunch of money on a Flames total <laughs> quietly in the sports book. And as, 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 the, as the hockey men made too many goals, I, uh, there was like a guttural reaction from uh, from from my my little love seat that I was sitting in with my card, and Sam's like, "What's wrong?" And I'm like, "I bet the Flames total." So you know, ten years later, I found my love for betting hockey again, and the Habs got the win last night, throwing a couple parlays. I think betting hockey's easy. I yep, I agree. Okay, um, let's talk about football here, Steve. I'm gonna lay the uh, the I'm gonna lay the the scene out for you for you for you, for yous at home. Okay, mm-hmm. we've got a tight race. Your boy, he has risen. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, I was I was left for dead, and I climbed out of my uh, my tomb. Uh, I am now twenty nine, twenty six, and two after uh, a perfect after three a perfect and three and zero this weekend. And by the way, I just uh, like I'm Dude, proud you of nailed it. You nailed I, it. Put pump the chest out. You hit every single thing. For, but yeah, from from Saturday to uh. to Monday, I was six and I was eight and zero. I was eight and zero on totals yeah. and sides. And I told people, hey, f- maybe fade me Monday because I took the birds. So did Steve. Yeah, that was as bad as it got. Like as soon uh. as the game started, I was like, and by by the grace of God, the under hit, but only because we've totally quit playing offense in Philadelphia. Uh, the Bills over was it was clear from the start that uh, that that was going to hit, and I was on the wrong side of that. Steve was on the wrong side of that. I was on the wrong side of the Steelers. I just had a feeling, but Josh looked great. So here we are. I'm 29, 26, and two. Got the three and zero. Steve had a tough day. We don't have to go through it. You I can. guess I will. He had the fins, the birds, and the under in Buffalo. Mm. Um, didn't disagree with you on the birds, and then Macon. Bills, Texans, and the under forty-four and a half uh, in in, uh, in 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 Houston. So uh, the halftime hit. It, 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 it hit a halftime. There there was a moment late in the Bills game where you texted me, and I, the last thing I was thinking about was the locks. It was the hole that I had created myself this week. But Macon's lamenting the fact that at a point the Steelers almost had a backdoor cover. Yeah, Tyler Bass hit a field goal like you or I would hit a field goal. Yeah. It just went right. Thank yeah, God it, that it covered like a, a teaser. Drive. Teaser for the Steelers. Oh, the teasers. And then they were throwing down near the goal line. There could have been a DPI. I was sweating. I was sweating Bills nine and a half, but it covered. Mm. No need to sweat. You know what I realized you didn't have to sweat is when Mike Tomlin forgot that the punter was injured and didn't take any timeouts yeah. until two seconds left in the first half. That was an all-time head scratcher. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so looking at this week, we've got four games. 
I, I noticed, I don't know if you said my record. Oh, your record's 31-26. Yeah. You're in first place squarely. Okay. I've got two weeks to make up two games. And lately, I've been coming on like gangbusters. So if I can, I'm like the Buffalo Bills of this competition, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but Macon, you've been doing a tremendous job. Thanks. Clubhouse leader. Um, this could be a historic Steve. season for Macon if he can close this thing out. Uh, all right, let's go. Who's up first? Uh, Stanford Steve. I wasn't. I wasn't rhetorical. <laughs> you know how this. You know how I am with with nice this stuff. I'm not sure. Joke there. It wasn't. It was. <laughs> uh, uh, just one final thing on the Eagles. Uh, you know, there's a lot of hatred between Philly and New York, but I'll just let Eagles fans know. That's what watching your team feels like when you're a New York Mets fan. That Eagles demise <laughs> feels exactly – all I can – like, I'm at the game, I'm on the sidelines, you know, before the half, they're trying to, you know, get something going. And I'm like, this isn't going to happen. This is this is exactly what the New York Mets do. So, uh, shout out to the Eagles fans. Honestly, what, it's kind of like watching like Virginia football. On it, Seriously, it's got a little bit of a Virginia football vibe where there's a couple points in the game. But you were never 10-1. and one. No, but yeah. there are situations, many games, where we dig ourselves a hole, mm. we come close to digging out of it at multiple turns in the game, and, and the in. second half is basically a situation where it's like, could you have just blown us out all the way so I could turn the game off? Mm. You know, I'm still watching this game with eight minutes to go, and then, and then the floodgates open. So, um, Steve, you're picking first. Who you got? I'm going first, and I'm taking the first game of the weekend. Give me the Texans plus the points. Rookie quarterbacks are 5-1 ATS in their last six divisional round games, including 4-0 ATS as underdogs in that span. Texans have covered three straight games and four to last five. That's all I need to know. Can't wait. We will be there for Monday night countdown on Saturday. Uh, so the whole crew will be there. 20 degrees. Interested to see the weather and the factor it has on the game. I think a lot of eyeballs obviously are on the one seeds, knowing that they've had – so much time off and how they come out. I, I like the teams that have played. I generally usually uh, go towards the underdogs against the one seeds here. So um, Lamar has been uh, great. I will. I don't want to give away uh, anything on the total. Any other, yeah, anything on the total. Wants to yeah. give, so, Look uh, at Steve. It only took three years, but the guy preps for the green light he's, show he's today. He's in playoff form. And, I had some and days off, actually, this week, Bacon. Steve, Steve, I love this because I'm, I'm going to be with you on this one, and I don't know if Macon's going to be with you on this one, but it's easier for me if I don't have to root against it because Macon's above me. I want to root against his picks, but I'm with you on this. Lamar is a playoff home favorite, 1-3 and three against the spread, 15-23 and 23 against the spread as a home favorite, period. And this one's pretty striking. You talked about the rest, 12-plus days of rest in general, 1-6 and six against the spread. Mm -hmm. Over the last three years, uh, three-point line favorite or higher, six and 16 against the spread, minus seven and a half or higher, one and eight against the spread. The only cover came where? Against the Houston Texans week one. Ah! So, so you know, uh, depending on what you think there, I think Steve's got Steve's on the board with a good one there. Okay, okay I'm up. You're up. Okay, I love it. I'm going to go Green Bay, San Francisco over. Okay. I'm going to go Green Bay, San Francisco over. 50.5. I, th I think the points pour in. I, and I don't know who's scoring the points, but you like to do scores, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's 34-17 or it's 23-30, I feel pretty good about either outcome. Like, you know, either way, the Niners are going to score. The question is how much does Green Bay score? And I think they can score. Okay. 
I don't six, know who to six pick. Six straight Packers road games have gone over. Hmm. Interesting. Jeez, I didn't even do my research. Feet. That was a feel thing. Goodness gracious. Hmm. All right. Well, huh. Leader. <clears throat> Leader. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions at home to cover six and a half points. Wow. And I'll tell you why. Tell me why. Amon Ross St. Brown career 17 and 3 at home against the spread when when uh catching more than four <laughs> balls, all right? Now he's going to be a Jameer Gibbs has never lost as a uh home favorite in the playoffs. In ever. You understand? Um listen, I think Tampa Bay's booty cheeks and I think Detroit's really good. They get another home game. Hey, listen to this. Look out. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Look out. Give me a score. Mm. 33-14, Detroit. Jesus. Wow. Yep. Steve, you're up. Uh, Buccaneers are 8-1 and one against the spread on the road this season. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and also, since Nevada legalized sports gambling in 1949, the Lions' largest favorite role in a playoff. Three and a half. Four. Four? Yeah. Back in uh, 1970 against the Cowboys. Yep. They, they lost 5 nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Go. They didn't even cover. No. <laughs> didn't cover last week. No. Lions are one and sure. seven. No. Yes. Yeah, playoff you game since that 93. Just, Steve. Yo. Steve. Take your trends. They're not trends. They're just sho- these are And facts. fold them like a newspaper and these shove them facts. up your ass. All right. I have no idea where I'm going here, but. These are not trends. I mean, they're not trends. They're facts. All right. Yeah. If he doesn't go somewhere, I'm going there. Little Give mind me the Chiefs. God, fuck. Yeah. Holmes, 6-0-1 against the spread. Sorry, I just yelled into the microphone. Underdog. Please don't give us one star on Apple Podcast Reviews. Please don't be, hit my mentions about it. got a little loud for you for a second. All right, You'll I got okay. all time, and I'll stop with the stats. Mahomes has not been at least a three-point underdog in 72 straight starts. That's the third longest streak in Super Bowl era, including the playoffs, only behind Tom Brady, 76, and Joe Montana, 73. Mahomes as a dog performs well. Also, this road game thing, as we talked about in the previews, is uh, it's kind of like I wouldn't say it's exaggerated. People aren't looking at the data. It's, his winning percentage at home on, on the road as a as a player pretty much similar, um, you know, almost identical. So he's still Patrick Mahomes on the road. We talked about the rest advantage. It, it's it's a big deal. So I think they keep this game close. I agree with you, Steve. As you could tell, undefeated as a road underdog in his career, eight zero and one. Trendy. Okay, I'm up. That's right. I'll take the Houston Baltimore under. Thank you very much. Mm. Because the other piece of that that I almost like it a lot. Chris. Yeah, the 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 other piece of it that I almost mentioned was that um, Lamar is a playoff home favorite, four and zero to the under. Um, and this game was seven six at the half. I think if you're Houston, you want it to be low scoring, mm-hmm. and I think they can try to dictate that. Like that pick a lot. Thank you, bro. All, all right, six of all going under. Hey, Steve. Steve with more stats. <laughs> All right. So the Kansas City Chiefs, yep. they're, they're undoubtedly the right side, right? I didn't see this until a couple moments ago. Give me the Buffalo Bills at home to cover two and a half points. Everybody on the Chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes. They just beat the mighty Miami Dolphins by a, by a, by a, by a truckload of points. Buffalo's going to keep it rolling. 
Okay, I just want to I want to confirm something. Yeah, um, when it comes to Buffalo and Kansas City, fifty three percent of the tickets are on Kansas City. Forty two percent of the money, so it's slightly public to bet the Chiefs. Okay, thank you for that. I um, is that it? Well, no, it's not. Sean McDermott is fifteen five and three against the spread at home in the month of January. <laughs> I love Steve. I love numbers. Uh, okay. Ralph Wilson, God rest his soul, mm-hmm. hasn't ever lost to Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. So, you know, mafia. All right, Steve, you're up. God, I hate this. Yeah, it's like there's so few games. It's brutal. Really like that under you took. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll give you something else that's even, even more ironclad in a second. Mm. Give me the Buccaneers. <laughs> Steve, I like it. Give it to me. I like it, Steve. No one's taking them. Nah, nobody's taking them. Not at all. Uh, except hard, hard to cover six and a half when you lose 33 to 14. You know what I'm saying, Steve? <laughs> Smelling what I'm stepping in, Steve. And don't forget you all got uh, I do have a though. trivia question for you guys. What is it? I got an answer for you. Both the Bucks and Lions are twelve and six ATS this season. Second best behind who? Uh, against the spread? Yeah. I I would say the Eagles. Nope. Against the spread? Yeah, they didn't even, Eagles uh, finished zero and eight against the spread. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. I was gonna say for a while they were like ten and zero. Yeah. You know, so it's close. This actually. is mind boggling. Uh, oh, it's gonna be a bad team then. It's a bad team. It's a bad the Arizona team. Cardinals. Okay, That's go a ahead. Good idea. Go ahead. Raiders. The Raiders. 12-5 ATS this year. Wow. There you go. Take that, Macon. Okay. Taken. All right, so with my third pick, um, I suppose I'm going to go with the – I'll go with the under in, uh, in Buffalo. Okay. I'll go with the under in Buffalo. I think this game, I've said it before this week, in the past – it was the shootout, right? Like it was the game that changed the overtime rules. The first matchup was about defense. I think this Kansas City defense travels. Um, no doubt. I also think they have a little bit more tape on Joe Brady. And I think on the other side, let's not let's not jump out of the gym because Kansas City, uh, you know, kind of was like a hot knife through butter on uh, a Miami Dolphins team that was down a bunch of guys and couldn't create pass rush. You know, because that, I think, has been as big of an issue as the guys outside. And I'm not trying to hot take you here. I think him having time to work through his progressions, they're inevitably going to look better outside. I think this week it's a little bit tougher sledding for them. All right. I'm going to – here's my goal. I'm going to take you all behind the curtain. Here's my goal. I'm going to try to go 2-1 and this week, all right? 2-1 and puts me in a good spot moving forward. Yes. And – Though I feel like uh, uh, kind of a wuss for taking three favorites, I'm going to eschew the over in Detroit and take the San Francisco 49ers. That's a good play. To cover nine and a half points against the Packers. Healthy San Francisco, you know? Yeah. Who's got it better than them? Let me, uh, let me paint you a picture, 30-21. Oh, brutal. But li- here, l- listen to this. Yeah. All right? Yeah, listen, I'm listening. Okay. Because these guys, these guys own those guys, okay? Yeah, uh-huh. Niners, 99-7-2 all-time 
against uh, the Packers. Yep. Okay. <laughs> no, right. no, 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 no. But let me be serious for a second. Uh, <laughs> look at him giggling. Uh, thirty. 30, I just gave you a 33-14, yeah, right? Yeah. It's 34-14. Okay. Okay. If you're not the lead dog, the your view never changes. Yep. And where do you guys want your half points? Y'all looking at my ass. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll love. Uh, I'm paying you back for, for staring at my butthole all year on Thursday night. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, okay, so <laughs> NFL... Uh, what am I looking at here? You, we, we all need to give out half points. We got to give out half points. Okay. Well, I see Chiefs is three right now, so that gets me to three and a half. I yeah. got it at two and a half. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, that's what it. That's what it is right now. Yep. I have three. I see two and a half. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna buy my half. I'm gonna buy my half point. <laughs> we'll see. We'll Don't see. We have to There's figure no, it out we'll right see. now. <laughs> I'm gonna buy my half point and and bump uh bump the Ravens tech. Well, no, because it's a half point. We're doing that whole half point thing. Half point, Chris. Um, golly, I'm. Give me a second here. Doesn't help you much because a push doesn't help you. Well, there, there really there really isn't a lot here, you know, because it's all totals for me. Then they're all half-point totals. I'll take the Houston-Baltimore under up to 44, which is a key number. Okay. I'll take the Lions down to six points, please. Oh, manners. Steve? Chiefs. Chiefs to three. Okay, cool. And and just to add a couple props for people because there are less games to bet. And I don't mean just like player props. You can also bet things like for me, I – I would throw the Green Bay team total into the hat. It's the first bet I made this week, 20 and a half. Uh-oh. If they're getting blown out, there's a backdoor cover on this thing. Easy. Okay. I also like, I think the first half under in Baltimore is Ooh. way too high, 21 and a half. Just rush to bet that. That game was 7-6 at the half. I think early on, Houston would be foolish to try to, to, try to match them. When it comes to tempo, I think they're going to slow it down. I have one to ask you. Uh, would love everybody's take on this one. They're yeah. both plus money. Carlaftis over a half a sack or Chris Jones over a half a sack? <sighs> I think I'd, I'd take – I'd bet them both. Right? I'd bet them both. I would bet both of those guys to pick up a sack this weekend. Carlaftis plus 125, Chris Jones plus 145. Which tells you – that Carlaft is probably more likely, um, not just because of the odds, but because of the perception that Chris Jones is probably going to get a sack. Mm. I think Carlaftis is uh, is is a nice bet because he cleans up a lot of stuff yes, for them. Yes, he does. All right, pimps, I'll give you one. Mahomes over twenty four and a half rushing yards, forty eight last week on just two scrambles. Yep, he doesn't have every weapon out there. Things are going to break down. Mm-hmm. I think twenty four and a half is a low number. Okay, over. Anything else? I got one. I got it's the Isaiah Pacheco prop. Yeah. Whatever the 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 over under is for Pacheco, hit the over on that. Yards. And then Mike Evans explosive plays over and definitely gonna have a touchdown. It's gonna be outside the numbers too. Okay. Wow. Kyle says bet the, the Mike Evans outside the numbers touchdown prop. Pacheco's at sixty two and a half, I see rush yards. Pacheco at sixty two and a half. I like that. Yeah. 
Uh, I think they got in a little trouble trying to give Clyde Edwards Elair the ball in the last matchup. Mm. Um, Clyde is eight and a half this week. I'm going to go Aaron Jones under 68 and a half rush yards. Mm. Very interesting, Steve. In the same game, Debo over 16 and a half rush yards. Yeah, like You're going to see some shit from San Francisco this week. I'm telling you. They've been, they've been working. They've had plenty of time. They're going to yes. be – like we thought Green Bay's game plan was great. I think San Fran's going to come out like lightning. Ayuk over over receiving yards. Okay, Steve, that's seven for 112 and one, bad boy. You understand? <laughs> Is that all the props, guys? Uh, yeah. The, the one I was looking at was Mahomes' pass attempts. I mean, he threw it 40 in that weather Saturday night. Yeah. He's he's in the – What's his pass attempts right now, like 33 and a half? Uh, I think it's a tad higher. Let me see. Uh, pass attempts. Mahomes, 36 and a half. Jeez. Currently snowing in Buffalo. Sunday will be a high of 27, low of 21. No precipitation. Got to put a dome up. It's too dangerous. I, I, <laughs> what best surface this week will be San Francisco? San right? Francisco. San Francisco, we got worse surface Detroit. It's like concrete. Mm. That turf is so short, it's far more dangerous than Baltimore's playing outside. Baltimore's not going to be great. By the way, that Buffalo turf on Monday, the end zone turf, looked like some 1994 turf. Like It looked like a place you did not want to land Mm-mm. in traffic. You could get a spine in there. You could get a spine, as Dan Campbell put it. We don't want him to get a spine. Mm. Uh <laughs> You get a spine, you can be out four to six. Don't want to catch a spine, Decades. Steve. All right. Uh, Stanford Steve, happy hunting. Uh, I hope everybody in here wins except for Macon. I like that. All right. It's hard being the lead dog. We're yeah. all staring at your ass. Um, you got some fleas, bro. Nah, dog. Nah. All right. Nah. Uh, hey, Steve, I'd li- hey, can we let Steve off I'd like the show? to take a look at a butcher's ass, but I'd rather just take the butcher's word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Steve. Take care, Steve. See you, Steve. <laughs> hey, quick question for the guys here. We don't answer this question a lot, Matt. Go ahead. Who are your favorite players in the NFL? Mm, actually, so this is this is good because nobody ever asks us. They always ask us. I got a list. But. For about a dozen years, no offense to many present company, it was it was it was you. It was C Long. Really? Yeah. Oh, thank you, Swear man. For I God. appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Who are your others? Oh, uh, hey. uh, that's sweet. Your era? Hmm. Probably like Justin Tuck. Yeah, Justin Tuck was awesome. Yeah. Still, is. I was a Justin Smith guy. Justin Smith was awesome. Justin Smith. Jared Allen. Jared Allen, sure. Oh, yeah. I, yikes. I, now, though. A little tepid on the Jared Allen, huh? I'll go. Uh, no, Jared Allen's awesome. Okay. Right. Yeah, Jared Allen. start this thing off here? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so underappreciated. This is a guy who was a 1,000-yard receiver, not a pro bowler in San Francisco, Brandon Ayuk. Oh, yeah. Not only, yeah. Not only do I love his game uh, as a receiver, but cool man, name. as a blocker, too. He's out there. He's he's a He does a thankless job in the run game. Um, he's awesome to watch if you're a young player, skilled player. Go watch Brandon Ayuk. That's how a pro does it. Okay, Kev. So we're going current. We're just going around the room. I'm a big Dan Skipper guy. Yeah, Dan Skipper. I mean, he, great. he 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 just 
he came off the set of Braveheart. Yeah. And he's got to come in, and it's just him coming out, and he just – it's great. Dan Skipper – He's in character. When you mention his name, there's very few players in the NFL that if you mention the guy's name, it, it brings you right to one play. You know, like Dan Skipper's that guy. Yeah. Who are the other guys? Like Leon Lett. Uh, David Tyree. Kadarius Tony. Steve Kadarius Tony. Don Beebe. Cody Parkey. Don Beebe. One play, probably Calvin Ridley, but Joe I know Heisman. he made a couple of bets. Uh, the dude from the <laughs> Packers. <laughs> the dude from the Packers who dropped the onside kick. Yeah, but nobody knows his name, so that's Dwight good for him. Clark. Dwight Clark. Uh, uh, first baseman, Bill Buckner. Malcolm yep. Butler. I'm just talking about NFL, but yeah. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go. <laughs> you can guess. Who are, guess, guess? Roquan Smith. Oh, that'd be interesting. No, that's one of yours, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. I thought that was on your list. No, oh, my was, list. Kyle, one of your guys is Jarius Sneed. Yeah. Currently, yeah. I watched yeah. his mic'd up last night for, <laughs> I like, seen it yet. for 30 minutes on loop. He was like, get your hands out of your pockets, 11. Oh, my Cause, God. Because Wilson had his hands in his little warmer thing, bro. And there was one part of the mic'd up. I got so giddy because after he uh, he broke up that last pass to Tyreek Hill, I rewound it five tr times trying to hear what he said to him because it was right after – it was right next to the mic boom. And I think he was like, catch the ball, 10. Catch the ball, 10. When it got to the last part of mic'd up, I could I – could, I, I'd never seen the mic'd up. I knew exactly what he said. Because, <laughs> like, one of my favorite things now is watching Legereus Sneed talk shit to people and bring that playoff energy. Legereus Sneed's one for me. Get your hands out your buckets, 11. Stop running from me, 10. Catch the ball, 10. Catch the ball. You're done. Uh, Romeo Dobbs. Nice. Obviously. Nobody's overdrafted Romeo Dobbs in fantasy more than me in the country. So Love this rounder. guy. I'm gonna give you props on you. You called that one early. You took him as a rookie, uh, didn't you? Did you take? He's him as not a gonna like this. Yeah, he took him as a rookie. Yeah. When he caught what, like? <laughs> no one's saying I'm any good at fantasy, but, but what I am good at is so saying this guy might it, be good. So we're not even in. A oh, I am a champion. We're not even you're in. A, a former champion. Former champion. Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Mm. How do you not love Baker Mayfield? Max Crosby for me. Mm. I mean, I don't want to wear that thing out. I love Max Crosby. Um, Rashawn Gary, I love Highsmith. You guys can almost guess some of these. Um, wide receiver, Trey my, Hendrickson. I love Trey. That goes without saying. You know, like there's some guys that I don't even need to put on the list. Um, DJ Moore. Yeah, yeah. DJ Moore is awesome. Just and, get him the. Fuck and hearing him talk makes me like him more. And he never. He's never in the fuck shit. He, yeah, he's, he's just, all he's about just, being a good teammate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, a, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you a couple names. Okay. Brandon Aubrey. Mm -hmm. Guy goes one for three in week one, then reels off 37 straight, then misses an extra point in the finale. But when he when he swings his friggin' leg, it's effortless. I don't care if it's from 60, it's just effortless. I'm more of a Bucker guy. Bucker looks like he's trying to fatally kick somebody in the head. Yeah. You should see that guy train during the week. I've never seen a kicker take strength and conditioning so seriously. Do you think you that that Anderson Silva could turn Bucker into a viable thousand percent? If you'd seen if you see Bucker, he's like six three and some change, and he's just no wasted space on his body, and he could kick the fucking spine out of a body. I bet. Could he beat any other punters up? Yeah, uh, kickers. Could he beat all the the kickers up? I mean, so. yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. I'm not pandering here. It it has been cool to watch Jason Kelsey this year. Yeah. Uh, tush push 
gets real low, all mm-hmm. right? And then he pulls like he's a like he's a man of, of 21 years old or he's something. Like a fullback. Dude, when he's out in, the, in, in space, it's Get incredible. In space. I also think what's great about Jason Kelsey is he's relatable to a lot of middle-aged white guys. Yeah. You know, like... If kind you, of a bummer to see that he's, he's blue, younger he's than blue me. Collar. Yeah. He's blue-collar. Hey, I don't, I don't pretend to know ball around here, but here's a guy I Nobody love. named Puka. You ready? Yeah. Jalen Johnson, Chicago Bears. Oh, he's great. Great. So much fun. Got a Electric. chance to meet him. Um, really nice guy in person. Bigger in person than you uh-huh. would think. That whole secondary unit, Tyreek Stevenson, all those guys. Like the rest of the country for five minutes, Tommy D. Tommy DeVito. <laughs> he's frozen in Adam time as one of our favorite Jeremy players. Lynn. He's cryogenically Ted Williams as like a favorite player. Hey, correct. I laughed out loud on our NFL draft live stream. Mm-hmm. And I take it back. Jameer Gibbs is so much fun, paired with David Montgomery, who's way better than I thought, too. He's a beast. That's an electric duo. Yeah, it's awesome. You just found this out. Hey, Swift, yeah. Swift is fun to, fun to watch. Swift is I mean, fun. And I'm guy. leaving Eagles out because people call me a homer. I mean, then you got Hill. I mean, the, I, the I w- guys are all. I want to throw Jalen Phillips in the uh, – the, this is basically like guys whose jerseys you'd buy. Like if we were just fans. I love Jalen Phillips. Uh, I love Denzel Perryman. In Houston, I know that they Hurricane. keep they keep getting mad at him because he's trying to concuss everybody, but he's just a fucking ball of physicality, and I love the way he throws his weight around in there and eats the fines and goes right back and does it again. <laughs> I get Cam Jordan's jersey if I was like uh, if Cam's I was living awesome. in New Orleans. When I was a young kid. I think he's awesome in the media, and he's just been a stalwart there. I, Trey McBride, yeah, from the Arizona Cardinals, good player. I think he's going to be awesome. Buda Baker. Buda, you don't know Buda Baker, bro. <laughs> He's not on your. Kyron list. Williams, you know what? Kyron Williams, about, you know what I found about Kyron Williams? Blocks his ass off. Went to Notre Blocks Dame. His ass off. Went to Notre Dame. You know where he's from? St. Louis. Really? Ah. Yeah, we gotta get him on the show. Uh, uh, same position, Devon Achan. Grover Stewart. How did I go? Fifteen names without naming Grover Stewart. Do you even know who Grover Stewart is? Do I know? Do I? Do I <laughs> Tank Dell. Yeah, Tank Dell's up there. Tank Dell. So he's fun. We we don't need to mention Matt Milano, right? He's in I the love upper, Matt upper Milano. Like I said, I, I said this before. Ever. If Matt, if my kid is ever like, I want to be a great football Jack player, Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell's <laughs> great. I'm gonna lock Waylon in the room with a projector of Matt Milano for like 12 hours. Favorite player in the NFL, Chris? Food and water. Favorite player? Yeah, Trent Williams. Yeah, mm. that was awesome. Good also, as a segue. We were going to talk about this, but like I think one of the guys that most deserves a ring left in the playoffs, huh. mm-hmm. because you talk about a 14-year vet did did a stretch, is what we call it, a stick. in Washington. You know, like if you played in Green Bay during the Aaron Rodgers years, it's like you you played eight years in Green Bay, but if you played in Detroit during the uh, Dan Orlovsky era, I'm sorry, it's the only quarterback I can think yeah. of in that era. You did a stretch in Detroit, okay. Um, I, I think what he what he's done over the course of his career is incredible. He's also unique, Kyle, in that he's not like a technical guy. He just is out there like fucking he raw dog in the position. He's, he's the most physical. He's the most physically gifted guy out there at any given time. But if you also think about the fact that he was in Washington and the team that employed him, they looked at a lump on his head for a period of years and would like ignore this, and eventually it was like life threatening. Uh, and so he overcame that. He's been in San Francisco a few years now. I think it'd be really cool to see him get a ring. Uh, Latavius Murray's a guy, too. Latavius Murray's been on like eight teams, dude. He hasn't had a ring yet. Um, Case Keenum with the Texans. It'd be fun to see him get a ring. 
Mike Evans. Sheldon Rankins. Have Houston another Texans. one. Rashi Rice. Yeah, Rashi Rice would be great. I know this isn't the exercise, but Dan Campbell winning a Super Bowl, do you imagine that interview? He might eat the microphone. Like, <laughs> that would be great TV. And a lot of people who said he was the wrong guy will say, see, yeah. he's a bad guy. He ate the microphone. <laughs> he ate the microphone. My favorite player is Dontavian Wicks. Wicks! Shout out. UVA. Morgan Moses. As promised, here's Chris delivering a few words on Gerard Mayo becoming the head football coach of the New England Patriots. So I'll be honest, like doing this podcast, I've had opinions on non-football things before. And I think when I first started this podcast, a lot of people thought that this would be a place that you get those non-football kind of harder hitting sports, pop culture, sports politics, um, you know, topics here. And... I do feel like when it's appropriate, those things are okay to talk about. I'm also not a podcast. Um, I'm not a podcast host that wants to inundate you with those things because I do think there is an inflation kind of thing with that kind of content where after a while, it's not worth as much. And I do understand as somebody who looking at 2024 and everything we're all going to have to deal with, sometimes I want to run and hide from that stuff. And sports are an opportunity to do that for a lot of people, and I get it. But I also think when, it, when, when things pop up in the news and they are centered around tougher topics, I will hit them when I feel like it. And so like, listen, if you don't like what I have to say after I say this, that's fine. Um, I just have to say it. I, I saw Gerard Mayo uh, in his press conference in New England, and obviously, if you ask most people on the street what they took away from that press conference or most people on the internet, the thing that went the most viral was them asking him about being a black head coach in New England, um, which I don't know if that means anything more or less than being a black head coach anywhere else in the United States. There's a lot of people that, that would probably say that it does. you know. Um, and I'm not saying every Boston fan deserve, deserves to get side-eyed uh, as possibly being a racist or something like that. So when Gerard's asked that question, I've seen coaches in the past answer it different ways. I've seen people in positions of power answer questions like that in different ways. Like I saw Todd Bowles answer that question in a totally different way. He was like, me and Mike Tomlin don't look at each other as black coaches. Um, you know, that's his perspective. He looks at, at things a lot differently. But for Gerard Mayo, um, he was he was willing to answer the question and say, listen, I do see color. I see color because, and I think this went over a lot of people's heads, as a black man, he doesn't have the, the I hate using the word privilege because that word's been weaponized to turn a lot of people off. He doesn't have the benefit. Yeah, he doesn't have the leeway or the benefit of not seeing color. And that I think I'm a white guy, okay? Most people would say I'm not a racist. I see color. I see differences. I see differences. I think seeing differences allow you to understand each other better, to understand the context of the situation better. I think, that, I think that's a perfectly non-confrontational, non-controversial thing to say, especially in a country like this one, where we do have a history that uh, not only exists but has dictated some of the current landscape. I, I think also like in Boston, Bill Russell's one of the best players to ever play in Boston. And Matt talked about this earlier is like Bill dealt with a lot of racism. So there is, 
there is a relevancy to asking this question, a relevancy to how he answers it. And I think the thing that went over people's heads is, and he used even like people with disabilities who could be discriminated upon uh, differently than you or I. Like if you tiptoe around everything and you, you claim to be colorblind, you can't any better understand the plight of other people. And I took the tone of what he said as, as saying, let's, let's, let's break down these barriers where we're afraid to talk about things and actually get to understand each other better. And I thought, I thought his sentiments were on the money, but a lot of people, I think it went over their head. And if it went over your head, maybe take a second to understand it differently. But if you have an issue with it and you understand it perfectly, I think what you're saying is that racism doesn't exist in this country anymore. I don't think admitting that racism exists is an indictment on you at home watching that press conference unless you really hate what he had to say, okay? Don't tell me you don't see color when mortgage rates see color. You know, don't tell me you don't see color when policing in America sees color. Don't tell me you don't see color when the justice system sees color. You could be mad at me for, for bringing this stuff up, but the only reason I'm bringing it up is that the reaction to Gerard Mayo's statements as a 38-year-old black man who just took over a job in the city that, 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 that wasn't so kind to Bill Russell all the time and has a reputation for this kind of stuff, that he, he decided to answer it this way. I mean, like, I, the reaction was so visceral that it almost proved his point. So I just wanted to say that. I, I'm a big fan of Gerard Mayo. I cannot wait to watch him coach. Maybe it doesn't go well, and I know already there's a lot of people that are rooting against him because I read those sentiments online. But I, I think he's a great guy, and I don't think what he said was combative or wrong, and it came from a place of trying to understand and trying to have empathy for each other. This is going to be a hard year for people, sports fans and people in America alike. I think we could all use a little empathy towards each other. And around the league, Chris, I think it's important to point out that guys are attracted to a locker room that's led by a dude like that. When you get truth from your head coach and you can see it, um, it's exemplary. And you, obviously you know he was a player, he was a patriot, and also it's a – it's a testament to how things are different than we expect because in New England, it's such a tight-lipped operation. Robert Kraft runs a tight ship up there. The Patriot Way has kind of been like Area 51-ish, but in a way, he's breaking that mold there, uh, Coach Mayo, and he's got the backing of ownership, and that's really important. The Patriots are kind of um, the lighthouse, so to speak, for the area around them. Be like this, we're exemplary here in this, and I think it's important and it will, it'll shine its light in that locker room as well. Guys will respond well to Coach Mayo. I'm just glad he's not afraid to say what he has to say, and also you touched on something like being in a locker room is such a sacred place because our differences were not barriers to conversation. Dude, it's the easiest way to get to know somebody in fact, their stuff is different than in, yours. In fact, our differences, where we came from, the neighborhoods we came from, the diversity in that building, the diversity uh, in, a, in, in an NFL building is is – almost second to none in America when you think about high paying jobs and like, anyways, tough, tough topic. This was a situation where it was like, I'm not going to pass. You hit the nail on the head. I'm not going to pass this up. You know, like this is a guy I know it's an important hire. It's just, it's an, it's an, an historic hire, um, in new England. All right. Um, enjoy the weekend guys. We will be back Monday, uh, with hard hitting analysis from this divisional round. I can't wait. Yeah, you're the tongue I'm getting. I'm gonna fight you with my friend.